Hey, Gavin. Hey, Louie. How you doing, girly girl? I'm doing all right. Look at you, freshly shorn, back from Texas, and you've just, it just snatched your wig right off. She really <laughs> did. I, I came back and I was like, it's that thing that happens when there's so much to do and you don't even know where to start. And I was like, what can I do right now to control my life? And it's So you was, pulled all your hair out. I pulled literally all my hair out. Um, and you know what? It's sickening, okay? It's sickening. You're very aerodynamic. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. In 2023, sweetie, the looks are changed. <laughs> uh, we're feeling good um, and plentiful. Uh, hi, everyone. Welcome to The Mixed Reviews. We are a film podcast where we take a film subject such as an actor, director, or a mini genre. And then we take two weeks, watch as much as we can, and then we give you a full history and we talk about what we like and what we don't like. And sometimes we bring along some friends. Uh oh. Uh oh. Ricky Lake doorbell. Ding dong. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone, please welcome to the stage. It's Mr. Derek Gale. Derek, welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for uh, coming and joining on us on our on our first like a real episode yeah. of the year. Nice. You know. I always feel like we get a really strong, like, it's always one of my favorites. Like, last year, it was Olivia Newton-John. Mm. We had great guests. The year before that, it was Chris, the Chris Pine. One of the Chris's. One of the Chris's. <laughs> but with, with Connor. So, like, yeah, just, mm, I just yeah. love having a yeah. guest at the first of the year. It's yeah, now nice. you have to start with me. So, kind of, <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> the tradition shall continue because <laughs> you brought us a very um, exciting subject. We have one piece of old business, which is okay. just uh, on our Patreon, which, by the way, you can join our Patreon and join us in the, what, what do they call it? What do the kids do? The Discord? Join us the in the Discord. Discord. <laughs> There's bonus episodes. Eventually, there will be more bonus episodes. I promise we're trying. We're busy, busy people. But uh, Michelle Ice, who was a previously a Patreon supporter, upped her support. And as part of the deal of upping her support, we have to give her a shout out on the show. So thank you so much, Michelle Ice. You are such truly a lovely individual. And yeah. like I, you, you didn't have to do that. Oh my Aww. god, like, you're my number one fan, girly, and we appreciate <laughs> it so, so much. Um, and thank you to everyone who's listening, and I hope you all are having a great start of the new year, and hopefully we can be a part of that. Um, so, Derek, why don't you just kick us off? Who have you brought for us to talk about today? Yeah, someone with that fucking face on her face. She is our mother, <laughs> <laughs> Tony Collette. Yes. It's giving mother. It's giving Tony. mother. <laughs> I, I believe it's pronounced Torny. 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 That's true. Yeah, yeah. You know, it went an embarrassingly, embarrassingly long time never knowing she was Australian and discovered it by watching she a clip is. of her on a talk show, like, maybe just a few years ago and was like, wait, yeah. what? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I, I was going to save it for the rewind, but she is so good at accents She's and she so does good. not use an accent coach. I usually really do not like working with dialect coaches because it makes me so self-conscious about what I'm doing rather than just being in the moment and trying to create something truthful. She said she used one once when she needed like a very specific Irish accent. But other than that, she's like, no, ma'am. Nor. Nope. Wow. Nor. Wow. <laughs> something she doesn't say. Something you'd never know. <laughs> I literally watched an entire interview with her where she didn't break she didn't break wow. american accent i was just like why is I, she doing this yeah i think <laughs> i think her american accent is the strongest in her arsenal of accents and it's fucking crazy um she's so so good yeah um the range on this woman incredible I mean, yeah yep yep <laughs> that's the take <laughs> um we've talked about 
a lot of movies that she's been in before. I was just realizing, yes. I I believe I chose The Way Way Back as my pick for our Sam Rockwell episode. Yeah. Well, I chose Velvet Goldmine for a Hugh McGregor episode. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she has been in the orbit of a lot of our subjects in the past. It's actually, yeah, she. I mean, she's just around. Lady yeah, gets around. And, and yeah. now she's the sun in the solar system, babe, okay? <laughs> it's the greatest role she's ever played. Um, Derek, tell us why uh, did you want to talk about Tony Collette? Yeah, God, it's it's funny. She's one of those actors, I think, that like, you know how sometimes you have actors where it's, you know, you see them in a movie and then they're sort of like transcendent and you're like, well, this is my guy. I'm going to follow their career forever. She wasn't like that for me for a long time. And I feel like maybe it might be the case for a lot of people because she's the type of character actor that is just in and out, very different kinds of roles, all different kinds of genres that I think that, you know, maybe until hereditary, I feel like a lot of people went a long time just seeing her and being like, yeah, I love, I, I love that actor when you see her on screen. But if you were to ask like someone to name a list of their favorite actors, she's probably, she would rarely be on it. I think because she's just not always top of mind. Like um, I think, I think y'all were talking about Joan Cusack in one of your episodes one time. And I think it was sort of similar with her where it's like, she's like, nobody's going to say that Tony Collette is bad, but she's still weirdly underrated because, because of just the types of roles that she's been in. But so I I guess when, um, when I was pitching people that I wanted to do, you know, she was on my short list just because it was someone that I think I had grown to in retrospect, realize how much I liked, um, you know, her, the first movie I saw with her was Sixth Sense, which is probably the same for most people in the U S. Um, but it wasn't until I think I was watching like United States of Tara, which is obviously like an acting exercise that is just all about, look at the range that Tony Collette has that I think, Sweetie. Oh. yeah, yeah. I, I- I know TV is not normally our purview, though we do actually end up talking about a lot of TV movies. But I will say, like, that is, first of all, you're only going to find fans of the United States of Terror here. Nice. So, yeah. awesome. so if you, you have anything negative to say, keep it to yourself. Get out. <laughs> but, <laughs> Get but, out. Uh, but I think, you know, that show, what's really impressive is, first of all, uh, it was canceled too soon, but also it was only meant to be one season. So. Yeah. I do think so it the, has a very good finale considering the situation yes. they were in. So Yes. Yeah. Um, but she is so in control of everything that she's doing. Like her instrument, which is mm. her acting, is mm-hmm. so finely tuned that she was able to pull that off without it ever feeling like too much. And trust yeah. me, there is too much on that show. I mean, that is a Diablo Cody written show. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's a messy show, but it's the kind of mess that I really love. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I grew, I mean, I grew up on soap operas. I grew up on one life to live and Vicky had like five different personalities and her daughter had personalities. (laughs) So this is the shit I loved. Is it an accurate portrayal of dissociative identity disorder? Probably not, but is it entertaining? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, so I think that was when it sort of clicked with me like, oh, you know, I've actually seen this lady in a lot of movies and I've liked her every time. Is she one of my favorite actors? And then I did start paying attention to her a lot more after that. Um, and and she has kind of, I guess, become my guy in a lot of ways. Um, but I think she, that's kind of this. I think I think hereditary, I think, kind of turned the corner for her in the mainstream just because of the weird pop culture thing that that movie was. And now I think she is a lot more top of mind with people. Um, but even still, I think she's just such a fascinating subject just because of the breadth of different kinds of th- stuff that she's done. Um, and it's a great opportunity to talk about so many different kinds of movies and like 
even within the genres that she's worked in, like every horror movie that she's done is wildly different from whatever other horror movie that she's in, you know? Um, and I just, yeah, and every I, horse movie she's done is very different from the other horse <laughs> movies she's done. It's so crazy. She's Already. so good. Already. I knew it was coming at some point. <laughs> I haven't, I'm just going to say, I didn't, I didn't watch the, I didn't watch the recent horse movie. Well, I have not seen that one. You, you cannot get you me to watch a why. sports drama with, about a whole racing horse. Uh, I did not have time in my life for that, even with Tony Collette in it. (laughs) You did not know why that horse is so dreamy. (laughs) And that's... I'm still waiting for the sequel, uh, Dream uh, Dream Nightmare, or Nightmare Horse. Nightmare Nightmare Horse. Horse. That's the Ari Aster produced sequel, Nightmare Horse. (laughs) So good. Okay, Gavin, why don't we get into that rewind and so we can talk about the lovely, the talented Miss Tony Collette. Tony Collette Galafasi, born Tony Collette. Uh, by the way, Tony Collette is a stage name, even though I just said she was born Tony Collette, and that's because she added an E to the end of the name, which is actually how her name is supposed to be spelled, and her father took it out. But brilliant for, actually for the lulls yeah i just love that she was like i need a stage name why don't i yeah. use my name but add an e it's very yeah. barbara streisand yeah. i'm gonna yeah. take a, a letter away i'm gonna add a letter just it for works the drama so, if you th- if you think about it without the e then i feel like it's tony collett is probably what a lot of people are gonna immediately see oh when they yeah see it. and that does yeah. not have the same ring as tony collett at all that's true it's very fancy sounding it's very yeah. like Oh, French shishi actress. Yes. Tony Colette. Oh, Miss Colette. (laughs) She was born November 1st, 1972, which makes her exactly 50. She is a 50-year-old. She's 50. She's 50. Um, She's the eldest of three children. She has two younger brothers. And she was raised in the Sydney suburb of Gleb. Gleb? Please please do not come at me, Australian listeners. I know we have a lot of Australian listeners. I think that's how it's pronounced. <laughs> oh, what else um, could it be? Glebe? 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 the name, please. I can't. <laughs> she was raised there until she was six, and then they moved to Blacktown. Um, her father, Bob Collette, was a truck driver, and her mother, Judy, was a customer service representative. So this is like working class. This is not like a rich to riches story. Mm-hmm. This is weird family fact. Uh, her father's uh, biological father is not who he thought he was. She found that out like on an episode later of Who Do You Think You Are? And wow. uh, so now she still has no idea who her her paternal grandfather is. That's so interesting. Mm. Medical yeah. mystery. What she a really mystery. is like the true opposite of a Nepo baby. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> Correct. She, uh, she said growing up, you know, her family was not the most communicative. And despite her parents' lack of money, they were very supportive and made their children feel cared for. Uh, she has fond memories growing up in Blacktown. And... <laughs> Just to give you an idea of like what sort of little scamp Miss Tony Collette was as a child, she started acting very early, and by that I mean she convinced her parents and doctors that she had appendicitis. And oh, had so you her mean she was a liar. <laughs> she was a liar. Yes. <laughs> I did this thing when I was 11, um, which it was nothing to do with acting. It's just that my mother told me she had her appendix removed when she was 11, and I thought, I'll give that a go. She said to me, when I was 11, I had my appendix removed. I was like, oh, what was that like? And she said, well, when the doctor presses in, it doesn't hurt. It's when they remove their hand that there's, you know, an eruption of pain. So I had that tidbit of information. (laughs) And I, yeah, my my appendix were removed. It is so 
Mortifyingly, it's just so embarrassing. I, 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 I've always thought, no, no, I'm not one of those actors who needs attention. <laughs> and then I tell this story and I'm like, oh, that theory's f***. <laughs> the commitment to the bit was... Uh, impre- unreal, impressive. Yeah, unwavery. <laughs> I, I just want you to know, too, going into this, even before we really get into the acting stuff, she does not believe in method acting. <laughs> I mean, well, she doesn't anymore because the last time she did it, she lost her fucking appendix. (laughs) I'm in no way method, whatever that means. I think that is actually total bullshit. (laughs) I mean, it's utter wankery. I don't understand why people either kind of try to sell the idea that they do that or convince themselves that they do that. I mean, everyone has their own process, but I'm just, um, I'm much more kind of, instinctive you do use yourself in your work so it's going to be your perspective and however that's been influenced um but i'm not you know i don't like draw on personal things intentionally that kind of feels a bit cheap and like somewhat of a betrayal her first acting role was a high school performance of godspell at the age of 14 she auditioned singing whitney houston's saving all my love for you wow ambitious yeah Yeah. also (laughs) also we knew she was mother back then yeah, <laughs> that's how we knew. <laughs> the taste. Uh, and then after that, like, she was like, that's it, drama bug, got it, in, totally in. And, she, you know, she's claimed one of the biggest influences in her life, barring any sort of bad stuff that has happened over the years with Jeffrey Rush, is Jeffrey Rush. Jeffrey Rush was very popular as a stage actor in Australia, where she's from. So, of course, she, she saw him in a performance of The Diary of a Madman uh, in 1989, and she was like... Oh my God! This is this is what I want. This is what I want out of life. Uh, she changes her last name, <laughs> added an e, lol, <laughs> um, and she starts at the National Institute of Dramatic Arts or NIDA uh, in early 1991. And then 18 months later, she leaves. She's like, "Oh, I got a I got a professional acting gig." She went on to play Sonia in Uncle Vanya in 1992, directed by Neil Armfeld. And of course, who's playing Uncle Vanya? Fucking Jeffrey Rush. Jeffrey Rush. Wow. Wow. Yes. And so she's like she's, 16, 17 around there. Like she's yeah, a she's like yeah, meeting idols. Just checking off that list. God, that's incredible. <laughs> so in 1992, she makes her feature film debut in the comedy drama Spotswood, which is also known as the efficiency expert in America. That's how I found it. Mm-hmm. I know outside of the U.S. it's called spotswood uh it stars anthony hopkins has a very young russell crowe very young ben mendelson in it i watched this and was like we we've been tricked before we've done subjects and it's like oh their first movie and they're like uh, a person on the street or like a vendor <laughs> yeah. in a store and i was like she's not gonna be she's the female lead yeah well, it's wild it's wild i didn't watch the whole movie i only watched because I, I just wanted to see it because I, I, I was figuring i didn't even block out time to watch that one honestly because i figured i'll watch the clip of the one scene she's probably in because yeah, i made no. the mistake and watched the movies that i probably didn't need to watch for this <laughs> like the fucking paul bearer that did psychic damage to me that she's barely in yeah. waste of time to watch that for this but i was expecting that for this but yeah she is in a lot of that movie what is wrong with you carrie you are so stupid you don't know anything about anything especially about girls oh you're so juvenile and naive and horrible. I was not expecting it. I was like, yeah. I, I mean, I get it. Like, it's an Australian film. I mean, but there's plenty of actors in Australia. Australia yeah. doesn't feel like England does 
England has like nine actors stretched out over 18 projects. (laughs) And (laughs) Australia feels like it has people willing to perform. But no, she is. Yeah, (laughs) she's I it's a cute it's cute. She's cute in it. Yeah, everybody's got a little baby face. Even Anthony Hopkins got little baby face. And I was just like, sir, you are like 40 already. In 1992, her agent alerted her of a proposed film project that he thought would be good for her. She'd be a good fit. And that was a little film called Muriel's Wedding, 1994. So this is her second film project, Muriel's Wedding. Wild that that's only her second movie, given everything that she has to do in that movie. Like, You're terrible, Muriel. <laughs> I just need terrible. to get it out first. I, I hadn't, and I hadn't seen that movie before <gasps> watching it for this. So I, but I was like, I'm going to watch it because I know that's their breakout role. And I had heard good things, but the only thing I knew about it was that it's Tony Collette's first major movie and that it's about an awkward girl who wants to have a wedding. So I was kind of dreading it. Like, that cannot be like that from 1994. Like, I'm not going to enjoy this. I, that movie rules. It's so good. And it's so much it's darker so than I would have yeah. ever expected it to be. Yeah, and she's like she's already yeah. doing yeah. the Tony Collette thing in it of like she barely has any lines even though she's the lead, but it's like all so much of her facial acting and like her her you know her reactions to things like it is like immediately like classic Tony Collette in that movie right off the bat. It's so good. I didn't call them. They came crawling back to me. The way they picked on me, poor for spit, saying I wouldn't amount to anything, and here I am, famous, and they're at my wedding. I showed them. Showed them what? I'm as good as they are. I had not seen it since I was a teen. And I think in my brain, I was like, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, I, I knew I loved it, but I was like, it's this cute movie. There's lots of ABBA in it. Everybody's mean to her or whatever. <laughs> that last 20 oh minutes God, of that movie, dude. I was just like, oh, what? Why do I not remember this? Yeah. Because <laughs> it's probably blacked it out because yeah. of the trauma. <laughs> I it's, definitely forgot that Rachel Griffith's character, like, Loses the ability to walk. Like, yes. What? Yeah. Um, but b- because like the, the image seared in your brain, of course, is them doing the choreography from ABBA. Yeah. And it's an iconic scene. Um, but very quickly after that, mm-hmm. she no longer gets to do that. Um, <laughs> she, yeah, she sneaks up on you. Muriel's wedding sneaks up on you. And it, you're right, uh, Derek. Like, it's... It's wild that she, it's an instantly like Tony Collette classic performance, yeah. and she's so young, and it's not like she's playing a super likable character. Like it right. is a weird, complicated role. She is a again a liar, um, but yeah, it's so so good. I I will say this about her Australian films: uh-huh. not playing a likable role <laughs> seems to be a, yes! a, a like a <laughs> thing that she does specifically for Australian audiences. She occasionally dapples in it in American audiences, but but for Australia, she's like, Mom, yeah. I don't want you to like me. <laughs> she's always a, a little bit problematic in the Australian movies. It's like, hmm. <laughs> when I first told Dan that we were doing Tony Collette, I was like, it's going to be fun. I'm sure I've seen a lot of these movies. And then I looked at the list of movies and I was like, I've not seen a lot of these movies. And also what are these movies? Thank like, you. And I, I had, I was, I feel like I made a big mistake when I pitched Tony Collette, <laughs> when I looked at her filmography, cause I had the same thought. I was like, I know that I've seen, I've seen her heavy hitters. I know that I have some blind spots, but I've, I've seen most of them. And then it's like, it's Oh, I've mostly seen blind spots. 5% <laughs> of those movies, which is still a lot. Cause she's done a lot of movies, but she's also she, done a lot of movies. She is not afraid to, <laughs> To be like, yeah, what's this little weird movie here? Yes. Huh? And it's and, and there's a lot of them. Yeah. And and I like immediately looking at that list sort of formed an opinion. And I was proven wrong, but I was like, ugh, like what? Like why? 
And Dan was like, don't say anything that makes people hate you because people love Tony Collette. <laughs> yeah. And I'm well, I'm here to say that I'm not. Late. It's too yes. late, first of all, Dan. <laughs> this is episode 127. So, yeah, uh, luckily I've managed that somehow. Uh, but uh, yeah, I don't think I'm going to. I think I've I've sort of turned the corner, especially seeing a lot of these movies and and understanding. I have a, a theory about how she picks projects. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna wait till later till I think it becomes a little more clear. Yeah. But uh, yeah, th- I mean, she gained weight to play Muriel, but I do think it's funny because it is one of those. It's one of those things where like, she's not that heavy. No, she just looks she just looks baby faced in it, honestly, more than she looks like heavy. Miramax buys Miro's wedding to air it in America and it becomes sort of a cult classic and sort of underground hit. And her talent is immediately recognized. And I don't want to invoke the name of the devil, but Harvey Weinstein casts her in Emma, which is the adaptation of the Jane Austen novel that they're going to uh, be putting into production. And so she she does a a bit in Emma. I don't know if either of you saw that movie. It's. It's fine if you. It's fine. Not. She's she's in more of it than I would have expected her to be at yes. that point in her career. It's, it's it's not that different, I think, than like her murals wedding performance because it's a sort of a similar, just like a nicer version of that character. You know, she's still like, oh, that's the ugly girl kind of thing, even though she's like beautiful. Do you know what I mean? No, that's interesting because then her next movie is Clock Watchers, which we talked about in our Parker Posey episode. I love and she that. She also movie. plays kind of a similar, like yep. she's the straight laced, yeah. like she. I'm glad she broke out of that mold, but that yeah. that really seemed to be where she was headed. Right. And yeah. to Derek, to your point, like in Clockwatchers, she's again, she has like the the narrative voiceover, but like in the actual like when stuff is happening, she is not saying a lot. Like everyone mm-hmm. else is doing stuff around her. Um, but Clockwatchers is so good. Um, oh, I, I also, love that movie. Yeah. I also did watch Cozy, Cozy, whatever the fuck we're gonna say call that. Yes, um, I did too. Um, I did not. Uh, f- first of all, <laughs> I think it's so funny that they copied the poster for Miro's wedding for Kosi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wait, did they really? <laughs> yeah, it's literally a giant picture of Tony Collette's face and confetti. And yeah. I was just like, this is the okay. Miro's wedding poster. <laughs> they said, honey, it worked before. We'll do it again. She is a singer, and we'll get to that a little bit later. But she does. The one good thing about Kosi is she has a cover of. Uh, Don't Dream It's Over. That plays mm-hmm. over the end credits. That's mm-hmm. fun. And I really enjoy it. Yeah, cool. it's, it's very good. Her next big American breakout is The Sixth Sense. Uh, she received the script and she was like, I don't want to do this. Uh, it's going to be like a big American Hollywood blockbuster. I don't want anything to do with it. And then she read it and was like, oh, okay. She's <laughs> like, oh, a twist? Yeah, she's like, let me audition. And so she does audition, and she she beats out Marissa Tomei, which, by the way, completely different movie. Yeah. Been, but she mom. still would have been good in that oh, role, yeah. but different. I'm glad that it was Toni Collette, but me I too. can absolutely see Marissa Tomei giving it in that role, too. I can't remember which movie she said she lost out on. There was a big movie that she really wanted that she, like lost out and was waiting to hear back about both and her agent called and was like good news and she's like what and she's like you got six cents and she's like great <laughs> <laughs> but uh but she ended up loving it and i mean her her like scene she has a bunch of scenes but like yeah. her scene yeah is the Haley joel osment telling her <sighs> about his gift and her cry mother. every time oh my god <laughs> every and time it, it, like 
I'm always hesitant when we do a woman on the show to talk about their physical appearance. Mm -hmm. But I think there's, she has such expressive eyes and such high cheekbones. And she knows how to weaponize her tear ducts. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so she, the nonverbal communication in that scene where he's like, she wanted you to know this. And she's like. She has the silver nails. Oh my God. She's she's the the work that those acrylic nails do in that movie. (laughs) Like she is working those so well. And it's so, it's, it's so good. I cannot say enough good things about her in that movie. And it's like, you know, I I was thinking about it this time when watching it, that it's like, because, you know, watching it in mind in the context of her other, of her other roles. And, you know, she's known to have like good facial expressions and everything. But I think like that scene alone, considering how, like so much weight has to be carried on her and her silent expressions to this like nine-year-old reciting what a ghost told him all in stuff <laughs> that like was kind of only set up like in like lightly in one scene earlier in the movie at the bumblebee pendant or whatever. But like most of the stuff that comes up on that scene has never come up on that movie again. It's all has to be right. applied fully on Tony's actual like reactions and acting. And like she kills it. Like that scene is only as impactful as it is because of her. And I think I mean, I think the movie like does fundamentally doesn't work without her selling that emotional core of the movie, you know? She said you came to the place where they buried her. Asked her a question. She said the answer is every day. What did you ask? Do... Do I make her proud? She's so precise. I mean, and and I think, like, the reason why, you know, from Muro's Wedding to Clock Watchers to this, it's like she's able to do so much with so little. Mm-hmm. And so she really just is fucking attacking every moment with her eyes and her face. And she doesn't, I I, I think she succeeds the most when she's able to just really be this, this fucking surgical with her acting. Right. Whenever I think she makes like big choices, I'm like, okay, she's lost. She doesn't know what she's doing guys. Like the, the, the script sucks and she's like unsure, but when it's fucking right and she's able to just like this very so delicately, like, and she's making the, the perfect little, Every, yeah. every fucking thing, her face is just a masterpiece. Oh, yeah. No, I yeah. think it's like such a great way of putting it. I think that's why, even when you know, because there's a lot of roles that she's in where like she's not in the movie that much. She does a lot of supporting stuff, but I feel like the reason that they're often still memorable and she still kills it is because of that precision. It's sort of like, you're not giving me a lot here, but I can still find a real human being in this character that has four lines and appears in one scene and is just meant to be like the best friend to the main character, you know? Totally. She then goes on to perform in The Wild Party on Broadway. It's uh, in the year 2000. She does this musical. It's it's not a uh, it's not a bright musical. She's like abused by her boyfriend. She's hosting a lavish party, but it's one of those things where like I I wonder I wonder what it's like to like look back and be like I was on Broadway in the year 2000 with uh, Eartha Kitt. And Mandy Patinkin, <laughs> and I was the lead. Right. Okay. Pretty wild. Gavin, yeah. do you know the story about her, Mandy Patinkin? No. 
So I heard from a good source um, that the reason why Tony has not returned to Broadway is that Mandy Patinkin was an asshole to her. Really? Oh, no. She she did briefly return for the Realistic Joneses, but that was like a play. That was not, you know. Right. And I think, you know, I think Mandy Patinkin would say that he is an asshole. I think he does know that. And like he has said before, he's like, you know what? I can be a little aggressive on the stage. And I think Tony Collette was like, I don't need this shit. Especially right. when it comes to like actors who take themselves too seriously. Like she clearly does not. Um, and um yeah, that just fucking sucks because I would love to see her uh, do another show again. The next thing she does is she turns down Bridget Jones's diary, which I kind of love. Uh, and yeah. uh, many people say she would have been perfect for the role. Hmm. I, you know, I think she was just like, I don't want to be typecast. I don't want to be that like yeah. longing, you know, and that's sort of in a way she like saves her own career because that that is sort of where Hollywood is putting her. Yeah. And I was busy doing a musical on Broadway called The Wild Party and I wasn't available. But sometimes, sometimes I think about that and, and I think, I don't know, that character's so similar to Muriel, it might have been too close. She would have been like in every fucking rom-com, like yes. uh, in yeah. the 90s and the aughts, you know? Um, and I think, I mean, she, from the jump, was not that girl. Like, you right. know, Mur- Muriel's wedding is the complete fucking it's like an anti rom yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so fucking right on to her yeah i love that she does a bunch of tip spots around she does the movie shaft which i saw when it was in theaters uh, oh, uh, lol <laughs> by the way i should mention and i've not been mentioning awards uh she got a golden globe nomination for Miro's wedding she gets a, a oscar nomination for the sixth sense so like she's her only oscar nomination <laughs> Yes. That's fucking Bananas. crazy. Bananas. <laughs> um, crazy. The in 2002 she has a supporting role in the movie The Hours. Uh she's great in two scenes. It's yeah. I think it's only one scene that Is she's, it only one scene? It's literally yeah, I watched that one the other day. It wow. is literally one scene, but it is it's a good scene and she's great and it's an important scene and it's very yeah. memorable. That movie stacked with so many fucking good actresses. You're like, who could they possibly get to play this character? And it's like, boom, fucking Tony Collette. And it's like mm-hmm. right on your fucking level, Julianne Moore, right mm-hmm. there. It's I great. had forgotten because I just recently saw the opera based on the hours mm. at the Met that and I saw the way that Kiss is played. So she plays a, a like trapped 1950s housewife along with Julianne Moore. They're both very trapped. And uh, I had forgotten the, the, the kiss is very reciprocal in yeah. the movie and it is not in the opera. Oh no. It is really? like shocking. Yeah, it is. It, when, Weird. when the Julianne Moore character kisses the kitty character, which is Tony Collette's character, it is like, <gasps> like, mm-hmm. and in the movie, it's so sensual. And so yeah. just like, they're both into it and oh goodness yeah and i also love uh just uh, speaking of character choices and once again this is one scene when she's talking about her life and then she looks over and she goes you're reading a book oh you're reading a book yeah (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) very good it's just a a small choice but it's perfect she's going Um, from bitchy to slutty to like it's all the fucking things it's 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 homoeroticism yeah absolutely it's a real tour de force of that that one like five minutes that you see her on screen it's great um also in 2002 she does the nick hornby adaptation about a boy I did not rewatch this. I've seen it before. I think I've seen it before for this show, too, nonetheless, mm. which means I've seen it multiple times. <laughs> but uh, she plays a bad mom. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. she's got that real short hair. Mm-hmm. She sings awful. Uh, Killing Me Softly. Awful hair. Point. Oh my God, this was the era like right after 9-11. All the girlies were in their pixie dream cut era. Like, so all- bad. It was deranged. I'm not a fan. Yeah, I was going to say, you had feelings about it, Derek. Not a- I, I, don't, I didn't hate it. I think it was fine. Um, but I think it is like, I don't know. I, I, I she's okay. I, maybe this is like a more of a later conversation thing. There's a weird amount of movies that she's in where she's a supporting character in a comedy where like suicide is a major like inciting yes. incident. And it's a very st- strange and concerning to me. Yeah. <laughs> so this I, movie I'm... was like the least <laughs> like least fucked up like suicide inciting incident out of all of them. But it was still like it's still it's still a, it's a bizarre movie. <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'm I'm happy for the um it gave us uh, Nicholas Holt and for that we yes. we th- we thank you and Absolutely. we move we, and we move along. Absolutely. It's funny cuz the next mo- the movie that you're referencing to which will come along later is also a Nick Hornby adaptation. So there you go. Oh my god, yeah. In 2003 she returns to Australia and she does Japanese story. She plays an Australian geologist and <laughs> she is leading a Japanese businessman around oh. Australia and she falls in love with him. And this is a, I this thought, is a movie. I thought, wow, they really said Japanese story. Yep. And there's like one Japanese man in the whole thing. <laughs> and like, oh, ugh, cool. this, I don't. And I don't, speaking of problematic Tony Collette in Australia. Yes, like, exactly. That's yeah. a thing. Like literally her first line in the movie is like, I'm a geologist, not a geisha. And I was just like, yeah. wow, I, I need you to draw it back. <laughs> I need you to take it. But it, it, infor- it informs you about her character. I didn't hate this movie but i did not like this movie i don't want to i don't want to mince my words i don't want to make it sound like i'm but there i think there is a very sensitive ending to this movie that it does not earn and does not deserve right sure i think this is a movie of its time for sure and i'm sure that when it was made they thought they were really doing something that Mm -hmm. said something about like you know intercultural Mm -hmm. relationships blah 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 like i it's just like a for- horrible fucking name of the movie. Like, why yeah. is it yeah. that name? Like, it shouldn't be called Japanese Story. Um, it could just be about this Australian bitch and this Japanese guy <laughs> who, like, have this awful... They trauma bond, essentially. Fuck. Yes. And then a horrible thing happens. A and horrible thing happens. It, I was gooped and gagged. I, yeah. I was like... I was like I, I it's didn't, so sudden. <laughs> I didn't know where this movie was going at any minute, at any moment. It was fucking wild. We go here. Where? It's written in Japanese. Yeah, it's Japanese map. Munda bu how do you say? I didn't watch it because I was put off by the title Japanese story, honestly. You, you know, you were smart. Louie cool. and, and I are constantly in the lookout for our one-star reviews, so there's a lot of bad stuff we sift through as well, too. Sure. Uh, I mean, to be fair, I, like I said, I did watch The Pallbearer, so I mean, yeah. like, you know, and absolutely did not need to do that. Yeah, that was also in this era, by the way, that was in the yeah. 90s, and that was when people were like, David Schwimmer's going to be an actor. Yeah. Um, but, a, a leading, a romantic lead. Yeah. Yep. Okay, sure, buddy. Um in 2004 she does the last shot in connie and carla i know louis probably wants to talk about connie and carla i will let i'll let you take the floor drag me wow okay all i'm gonna say is connie and carla um 
Nia Vardalos executive was an executive producer on this. And for that, we stand. She is an ally. Yeah. Again, a movie of its time where sure. they think that they are. I mean, yeah, obviously, this movie was made with very good intentions. It's basically like that's, sister- that's how the road to hell is paved with good intentions, baby. <laughs> it's, it's, it's basically sister act. But like, yes, not, somehow not as gay, but also gayer. I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah. That's a good description. <laughs> we certainly talked about this in our Dragon we talked film about it episode. in our Dragon film episode. Mm. Yeah, and so I've, I've talked about this like in the in the '90s and the early aughts. No one knew how drag queens operated. No, like people just yeah. thought people lived as drag queens like every day or some shit. Um, it's fun. If it's you fun. Just, if you just like, you know, yeah. don't think too hard. The the ending sucks ass, but I think the majority of that movie is at <laughs> least like. It's yeah. it's it's pleasant and like honestly way more inoffensive than I ever would have expected it to be mm-hmm. from a movie from 2004 and I think Tony seems to be having fun in it I and guess it, it, it's so funny cuz it steals the like little card from to Wong Fu yes. that in the end that and I'm going to spoil it for you guys because I don't care that Debbie Reynolds shows up mm-hmm. and like, yeah. I'm like okay this is the most forced cameo in the world yes. but also I wasn't mad about it either no. I don't know. no no <laughs> Debbie Reynolds is like I need to pay for that neon sign in Vegas <laughs> yeah. right, right. absolutely um, in 2005 she only does one film and that's in her shoes a the, great film I like a that great a film yeah uh, we talked about it a lot in our Cameron Diaz episode. I nice. love this movie. This is the last movie she gains weight for. Curtis Hansen, who directed it, wanted her to gain 45 pounds. Uh, she couldn't. She she just, her body was not receptive to it. There is a really funny anecdote where uh, during the rehearsals, which by the way, she, another funny thing about her acting, hates rehearsal. Does not think her rehearsal is necessary <laughs> for most films because she's like, directors don't really know what they want. And that's like rehearsal only dulls that. I often find, yeah, um, rehearsal a little bit of a waste of time because most directors are a bit afraid and don't quite know what they want to do with you. I know why I've been hired. The script is there. I will have lived for it for, you know, a certain amount of time. I also don't want to waste everyone's time, you know, and I'm very um, aware of people having lives. (laughs) And I know that there's a focus and we're all there to to tell this story. But I – so – it's very rare that I'll come to a scene and feel like I need to rehearse and rehearse and rehearse. I, I pretty much do turn up ready to... And sometimes I kind of get to know a crew and I'm like, they're not going to get it right on the first three takes. So I'm just <laughs> not going to give it all until... <laughs> I do love that movie. I yeah. think her performance is... is uh, you know, I picked it as my five-star review for Cameron Diaz and I, I think she mm-hmm. is only outmatched by Tony Collette. Like, Tony Collette yep. rocks that fucking movie from the moment she starts till the moment it ends. Also, that is a movie that, like, hits me in the heart. Hurts. Mm. What are you doing here? I live here. What are you doing here? You live here in an old folks' home. It's a retirement community for active seniors. Wait, so you, you live with our grandmother? In 2006, I think a lot of people started taking notice of her. She is part of the ensemble of Little Miss Sunshine. Uh, this is, I mean, I feel like who hasn't seen Little Miss Sunshine? It's a little engine that could. Sure. But she's the matriarch of a family who is going across country so her daughter can enter a beauty pageant. And, I mean, this movie has 
everyone in it. In fact, when I worked at Filmmaker Magazine, I worked at Filmmaker Magazine for nine months when I first moved to New York City. I remember one of the, I won't say who, just in case they're still with the magazine. Uh, but there was an employee who was very upset about the fact that it was nominated for the Independent Spirit Awards because he was like, you have this cast? This is not an independent film. He was like, <laughs> sweetie. Yeah, he was like, this is, that's a lie. But, you know, I think the reason the movie has this cast is to yeah. elevate it, you know, because right. it's kind sure. of pretty We talk about story. this in our pageants on film episode. Yes. Um, yeah, it's like it's it's one of those movies that's like, oh, it's so basic to like it. But like, God damn it. It's it's you cannot not like it's this movie. Cute, like, yeah. it's, it's infectious. It's cute. Yeah. yeah. And, and she's once again, not she's willing to mix it up and make mm-hmm. herself look a little not great. I mean, there's the scene where she's trying to keep Abigail Breslin from eating ice cream because she's worried about her weight as a, as a kid. And it's like, just Mm. let her be a fucking kid. Maybe we haven't said this enough, but like she already has been doing, she got an Oscar nomination for being in a fucking horror movie. She's broke through as a, as a comedic actress, you know, and she's just so versatile yeah. Like instantly, instantly yeah. go, going from like indie shit to like huge blockbuster shit. This woman cannot be tamed. It's yeah. fucking nuts. Well, and it, yeah, it is interesting like that, that she is okay. Like it's like an interesting balance of, she seems like she's both careful with what she picks, but also not feeling constrained by particular genres either. Like the fact that she is in this like cute indie movie and also shaft and also the sixth yes, sense, right. you know, those three movies couldn't be any, any more different, you know? Right. And like, it's funny you say that she's so selective or picky with her movies because literally the same year she fucking does like the night listener. Like, so yes, it's, <laughs> it's we- she, Thank she, you for bringing up the night listener. She what? does. It's, it's so we- I mean, yeah, she is. She, she, she does be picking those movies. It's, yeah. but it's like, what the fuck? Like her brain. Yeah. What's going on up there? But here's the thing. I do think, because there's plenty of movies that she's done that I do not like and I think are bad, but I do think all of the movies that she's been in, I was surprised by with watching through some of them that I hadn't seen, where it's like, I can't sort... I, there's never a movie that feels like it's just a straight up like weird cash grab or something. It right. does always feel like it's like, I can see why this looked interesting on paper, or I can see why this role maybe seemed compelling to you. And maybe the execution of the premise was bad or it was like a worst, a bad script, but you were interested in the role anyway and would elevate it. Like it does seem like she does genuinely pick movies that she believes in, in some way. Like there's never a movie where it's just like, why did you even fucking do this? It's more like, yeah. Weird choice, but I kind of get that it's weird. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I didn't even mention Velvet Goldmine, which was a movie she did back uh, in 1998, the Todd Haynes movie. And early ni- like 1998 is really early in her career. And she was considering quitting acting. And we, we talk about this a lot with women specifically because they're not offered great parts or it's all about how they look and everything. And she said Todd Haynes is the reason she continued to act because of doing Velvet Goldmine. And she's basically playing David Bowie's wife, but it's not, it's Mm -hmm. like not, not a movie about David Bowie, but it's not a movie about David Bowie. (laughs) Right. Uh, I still think all that stuff is overblown. But anyways, I, (laughs) I, I love that role. And I love that she took so much from working with Todd Haynes. I mean, it's not Angie Bowie, but I pretty much was Angie Bowie. I loved making Velvet Goldmine. I mean, also, Todd Haynes hired me, and I really was not, you know, 
obvi- an obvious choice at all. So I always felt very flattered that he allowed me that experience. You know, I'd played characters like Wendy in Spotswood and Muriel in Muriel's Wedding and Harriet in Emma and all of these characters are very unsure of themselves. And then I think that my character in um, Mandy in Velvet Goldmine was was insecure, but in a very different way. She was very, very... Um, I mean, that whole period, that glam rock period is just so seductive and so glamorous and so kind of risque. And um, and to be included with that group of actors at the time, I just felt like it was such a such a gift and like I was getting away with something, <laughs> you know. Um, but that one was crazy fun. That was just, uh, that was, I never wanted that one to end. It was really just amazing. In taking everything that you both have just said, I'm going to drop my theory now because I feel like now is a good time about mm-hmm. how she picks roles. And at least, I mean, I've watched in the last two days, nonetheless, I've watched like 15 Tony Collette movies because yeah. I did not have to work yesterday. Uh, and geez. so Gavin said sleep is for the week. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> no more sleep. No more. Oh, I should turn that into a show. Hate that. Hate it. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> um, so I think she has like three tracks essentially and like none of this is verified so if you're tony collette and you're listening to this and you're like that's not how i do it feel but free let us right know in. girly let yeah us let know. us know uh i think there is a sort of social responsibility track okay. where she takes roles that she thinks are either about people or subjects that are sort of under talked about she plays a lot of moms of people with disabilities, yeah. developmental disabilities, uh, differently abled people. She also does movies about white supremacy. Mm-hmm. I mean, people of her caliber don't do not do that shit. That's sort of... I think her second track is she does movies specifically with young, new filmmakers yeah. that she can elevate their movies by adding her star power to it. And also give them a really good performance, but also like, you know, the rising tide lifts all boats. And I think she she considers that part of her responsibility. And I think the third track is one that's just fun that she can put a little character on. Yeah, I, I think. And don't shoot me. I think the hours is that I think what she did was like, I can come in, do a little character. There's no responsibility in the hours. Sure. The hours already had fucking Meryl Streep and Nicole Kidman and Julia Moore. So she was just like, I'm going to come in. I'm going to be sassy. And then I'm yeah. going to go. No, that yeah. makes a lot of sense. I, I yo, I, I totally, uh, yeah, I, I totally I mean, see that. Yeah. Knives Out is another one where it's like yeah. that ensemble cast, like she's just going to come in. She's going to be Gwyneth Paltrow and then mm-hmm. she's going to leave. Yeah. yeah. And she seems yeah. to be having a blast in that movie. <laughs> exactly. Like, and yeah, she's so like good. No and that's, yeah. And that's the other thing is like, it's not like I'm saying the third track, she's phoning it in. She's never phoning it in. I think mm-hmm. she has a lot of fun. And I think Velvet Goldmine is that that's the reason why I brought up Velvet Goldmine is I think it's that third track too, where she was like able, it like reinvigorated her love of the art because she loves acting. She's talked about it so many times. I found a montage on YouTube of her doing interviews where she's like, I love acting. It seems strange. I mean, I know it's such a strange thing to do with one's life, but I really love it. I enjoy my work. I love acting. I've been doing it since I was a teenager and I love it. So that's what I get out of it is the actual experience of telling the story and being on set with all these people and everyone contributing and sharing something. Well, how great is it to love your job? So many people don't. That in itself is amazing. 
I think that's what Velvet Goldmine did is it re-sparked that idea that like, oh, this can be fun too. I can do mm-hmm. something and not have it not have it change the world, but also give a good performance. And and it like it's one for me and the audience. That's, I, that's interesting. It's it's funny because I feel like a lot of other actors, their equivalent to that is doing like, well, I'm doing the movie that'll get them a big paycheck or something. Yes. And I feel and I like and it's funny that her way is sort of like it's it's probably not going to get her a paycheck because it's probably going to be some weird little indie rom-com that no one's going to watch. But like that's her her fun just doing it for for fun track. That's so interesting. And I've seen her in interviews say she's not interested in a Marvel movie. She is absolutely yeah. not interested in a Marvel it's, movie. I think it's which, fair, like, yeah. Like she could, she, she, could she could easily like get a paycheck. Like, of yeah. course, never say never, because I also thought Charlize Theron would not be interested. Yeah. And she showed up in fucking Doctor Strange. So I will say, to be fair with Tony Collette, too, I feel like she's one of the, you know, one of the, the, the fears with like, you know, MCU stuff is that then they're just locked into it. And that's all they do. I do yes. think that like she would do she could be a role and she would still keep working and do all the indie stuff she wants to do too and get that paycheck if she wanted she, to honestly she would be that bitch that rolls up and is like kill me by the end of the movie right, yeah right. i want to be dead <laughs> right. she wants the she wants the kate blanchett treatment the I thor ragnarok I, I think that she could absolutely i think she would make a really fun marvel villain for like a single movie honestly yeah. i would love i think she would make like a good like green goblet or something bizarre oh like, my god honestly just, just shows up as normina osborne yeah. like, But ultimately what people want, there's no formula that can create a successful film. People want originality and they want a strong, clear voice. And we're in a time now where everything is watered down to try and feed the masses and then there's nothing to relate to. So... You know, it becomes spectacle and people just kind of sit there shoving popcorn in their mouth. In 2008, the aforementioned United States of Terra, enough cannot be said about her performance for all three seasons. Yeah. I, yeah. It's unreal. And, and the way that it just keeps building and building. Mm-hmm. And like, at first you're like, oh, this is this is really crazy. This is really good. And then like, as the seasons go by, there's more fucking personalities. Yeah. And she is just... Again, the physicality comes out because she's able to like really, you know, go into all the specifics of each of these characters. Um, that show gave us so much. It gave us Brie Larson. Uh, we talked about Viola Davis has a little tip spot in that show. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, so good. Yeah, it's great. There should have been more scenes between her and Viola. That's mm-hmm. my only complaint about season three. <laughs> she uh, won an Emmy for that, didn't she? I think yes, she, she won- did. Yeah. Uh, originally in 2009, she was set to star in Away We Go. Uh, she had to back out of that. My Rudolph took over the role. So after dropping out of Away We Go and the ending of United States of Terra, she stars in Jesus Henry Christ in 2011, which is a indie film. Uh, I hated this movie. This was all <laughs> okay. just a peri- this is just like a period of like yes, people trying to recreate a Little Miss Sunshine. Like yeah. Sun, yeah. the Sundance boner was raging. Yeah. It this was, I mean, and also the one thing I'll give Jesus Henry Christ is this was the original. I am your mother speech. I did this for you, Henry, honey. You did it for yourself, Patricia. How dare you raise your voice at me? I am your mother. Two for two on that. Just (laughs) absolutely. Um, 2012, she does the Australian film Mental, which I don't think came out here. Uh, It is. I I watched it. It's a PJ Hogan film. Uh, In 2013, she stars in the aforementioned The Way Way Back. She plays the mother in that movie. It's another good mother movie. Mm -hmm. Oh, I, I kind of in my big one man show about how she picks her 
movies. I didn't mention a movie I did really like from 2008 called The Black Balloon, which is okay. another Australian film. And she plays the the mother of two sons, and one one of those sons is both severely autistic and has ADHD. Mm. And it is a it is a tough role. She does a really good job. Mm. Uh, yeah, I I would recommend The Black Balloon. It's okay. maybe some of the decisions in the movie wouldn't be made today, especially having a non-autistic actor play the autistic brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though I, I I'll I'll never know if his performance was good or not. It was convincing, I would say. Yeah. But um, and they did use a lot of autistic actors at the end of the movie. There's like a a pageant at his school, and they use a lot of actual autistic actors. So mm-hmm. that was nice. But mm-hmm. I I I think it's a tough but kind of important film. So okay. Uh, I'll, I'll just, see what you have to say about the the similar movie she does a few years later with Dakota Fanning. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> um, twenty thirteen. She does a, a a cute little indie called Lucky Them that premieres at the Toronto International Film Festival. I like that I movie really, a lot. Yeah, I really dug this movie. There's yeah. a there's a bit of a jump scare at the end. There's a cameo uh, oh, at the yeah. end that I was like, oh, no, yeah. didn't, didn't know that was coming. <laughs> I was like, ah, Sarah, go away. Uh, but, but at the time, I understand yes. why that was the choice, and it wasn't yeah. a bad choice at the time. I think. No, it to- totally makes sense. But yeah. it, she is she is a rock music journalist who is given the assignment to uh, track down a former rock star who, quote unquote, killed himself, but nobody really knows if he did or not. And it is a guy that she used to date in high school. And she's joined by Thomas Hayden Church, who wants to make a documentary about it. And is like, like the most annoying man alive. Yes. But also weirdly charming somehow. Yes. I, I don't understand. Say, the, for being the most annoying man alive, the chemistry they have yeah. together. It's I was weird. like, how is this happening? Um, she's also said that role is like no other role has she ever felt as connected like that is she's like if she has played herself on screen it's lucky them okay so you want to do a story about matthew no i want to do a documentary about you trying to find Matthew. <laughs> no, no, no i don't want to be in your documentary and i don't want to just give you one thousand dollars which i was like fascinating because it's very they, fascinating yeah. because she's not the world's greatest person. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I liked that about it. Like she yeah. starts dating a musician at one point, And then when he doesn't answer her texts specifically because he's going to surprise her by showing up at her place, she immediately fucks somebody else. Huh. And I yeah. was like, who wow. amongst us? Who amongst us? Yeah, exactly. No judgment. And Tony's but... just like, yep. That's so me. <laughs> yeah, Crazy. <laughs> um, uh, 2014, she does Tammy a long way down and Hector in the search for happiness. Um, I didn't like Tammy when we talked about Melissa McCarthy, um, a long way down. I have a feeling we're going to talk about now, so I might as well. Uh, and, uh, I don't know if either of you saw Hector and the search for happiness. I watched it last night at like 2am and I was like, fuck this movie. Forrest Gump nonsense. Hated it. Yeah. Uh, This, this era, this era feels like a little bit like lost to me. Like it feels a little bit like she's searching. She doesn't know. Mm nothing's like to me to me it feels like nothing's super challenging she's trying to pick she's pick these roles that are kind of like not awkward but like weird a long way down i was like god yeah Yeah. i wanted to like that movie more because i like some aspects of it that but the the, for the most part it kind of i didn't like it at all and i just 
yeah, I don't know. I think she's a very without without, and I don't say this as a negative thing. She's a bit of a granola person. She's a very like yeah, and both. I would even say Tammy, like the message behind these movies are a lot of like, you got to look for the little stuff in life and you got to look for, mm-hmm. you know, the Hector in the yeah. search for happiness is the most like aggressively in your face about it. Cause it's the whole movie's about that. Uh, but a long way down is very much just like, you know, everything's not as bad as you think it is. And like, if you this, just yeah. hold on, it's, I felt yeah. bad because I wanted everybody but Tony Collette to kill themselves. It's a movie about <laughs> four strangers wow. who meet in the yeah. attempt to kill themselves. Honestly, jumping from right. That's the problem yeah. with that movie. It's a cool, I think the premise is kind of brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Like people, these people meeting and forming a bond based on like, you know, wanting to, you know, wanting to die by suicide. But it's bad when every single character is like the worst human alive. Yeah. And then Tony Collette's just like, she's just a mom with a hard life. Like, yeah. <laughs> come on. Yeah. And she's like blaming herself for a lot of things she can't control. Everybody else is, should be blaming themselves for a lot of things that they are yeah. actively doing wrong. <laughs> Pierce Brosnan's character, what a, yes. a piece of shit. Who, like, and it's just by the end of the movie, it's just like, he's fine now. And it's like, no, he sucks. Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> he literally slept with an underage girl. Yeah. And it's like, who hasn't? And it's like, excuse me? What? <laughs> like, <sighs> <sighs> yeah. Yeah, it's so frustrating. Yeah, it's weird. It's like another movie that it's just like, oh, suicide is funny. Like, it's that and then (laughs) About a Boy, Paul Bearer. And even like um, the last shot has the weird like Alec Baldwin's whole character is like my dog committed suicide. It's like, what? why why is this a common theme that's coming up in these movies? (laughs) This is her live, laugh, love era. It's all like, you know. This meaning, you know, uh, everything, uh, it's, it's, it's weird. And I, 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 yeah. I, I don't know why she made it's, these choices. Yeah. The, the, the next group of things don't get any better because 2017 triple X return of Xander cage, which I think is the only thing that she like <laughs> is actively like, okay, mama needs a paycheck. Yeah. yeah um, I mean, that's fair. I she, did she, see miss you already. Um, yes. Yeah, I like before. that one. I thought, I, I thought she's really good in that. Yeah. And Those. it's funny too because it's kind of like a role reversal of In Your Shoes, where she's yes. the kind of the party girl to the reserved best friend slash sister, you know? Yeah. And th- those it, movies are really hard too because the you uh, cancer dramas in general, any sort of medical drama is going to be manipulative. And like yep. I really, when we talked about uh, bringing it back to Cameron Diaz, when we talked about the Cameron mm-hmm. Diaz movie. With the the daughter, my daughter's who, keeper, my sister's yeah, keeper, my sister's keeper. Mm. I really hated that because you could. It felt like you could feel the strings. And I think what's great is I think there's some occasional like too much schmaltz in. Yeah, uh, miss you already. But I think sure. both performances by both Drew Barrymore and Tony Collette really elevate the material. I think the husbands also really elevate the material. Yeah. You have a lot of strong performances, and I think Catherine Hardwick like had such for the woman who directed twilight mm-hmm. had such a sensitive hand in the direction of it and there's some like really beautiful like i kind of hate shots of nature in movies because they f- oftentimes feel like filler where it's just mm-hmm. like here's a bunch of grass guys look at this grass for a bit but there there were times that that movie really needed to slow down and really yeah. and she took it's maybe a little long but i i i, sure. I, I liked it a lot yeah um, also you also, skipped over krampus in 2015 oh yes krampus, I I fun as hell I, I love that movie yeah <laughs> i didn't rewatch it but that's like i feel like krampus is a hereditary dry, a trial run like yeah. dry run yeah <laughs> like, yeah yeah um, fun as hell. 
But uh, I do want to mention Fun Mom Dinner, which was also from 2017. I thought that movie was going to be god-awful based on the reviews, and I didn't like it. I didn't think it was very funny, but I didn't think it was that bad either. I thought it was... I I thought it was whatever. so bad. I thought it was whatever. <laughs> it's very whatever. I, I'm, I'm yeah. on yeah. Derek's. I think it's very... Yeah. I, it, it wants to be yeah. more, but it, 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 it's, it, it, yeah. it is not... Yeah, and, no. it's, and it's in the era of, like, bad moms, bad teacher. Like, it's yeah. supposed to be that sort of. But she, like, first of all, it was written by, it was either written by Paul Rudd's wife or sister. I didn't delve too far into it, but I was just like, oh, that's oh, why everybody's okay. doing this. Okay, <laughs> like, that explains everything. But, Nepo uh, sister? Yeah. Nepo, <laughs> Nepo something. This is somehow related. <laughs> I, I, you know, honestly, maybe Paul Rudd's married to his sister. I don't know. We haven't done an episode about him yet. Oh, we haven't done, well, so. okay. Coming soon, the Paul Rudd episode. <laughs> um, she also did um, Unlocked, Madam, and Please Stand By. I've, I only saw Madam and Please Stand By. Madam's a small French film she did with uh, Rossi De Palma, who we talked about so much in our album of our episode, and Harvey Keitel. It's not a great movie by any means, but I think she that was something that she like could put a character on. She's like, mm-hmm. it's it's like a Cinderella story where she like makes a maid pretend to be a rich person at a dinner party because she doesn't want to have 13 place settings. And that's uh, okay. Rossi De Palma's character. <laughs> what? Anyway. And, and, and she like basically plays the evil stepmother. Which... Rossi De Palma is very good in it. And Oh, Rossi De Palma's great in it. Yeah. Okay. The, the, cool. the movie itself it kind of like yeah. is, a, is a nothing burger, but. Oh, meet me at the George Sack at nine. Oh my God, I am an idiot. Oh, he's excited by your resistance. He wants you in his bed. But I thought the George Sang was a movie theater on the Champs-Élysées, madame. No, no, not in this context. It's a hotel. The George Sang Hotel. A hotel. Anyways, all of this is getting us to 2018's Hereditary. Thank God, because literally these last five fucking years, it's just like... (laughs) It was a rocky yeah. road, babe. <laughs> and it's funny because, I, and you know, we're going to talk about Hereditary, and so I don't want to breeze by it, but I will say, after Hereditary, she turns a lot towards TV, which mm. is an interesting... It's very yeah, interesting. Her, Hereditary, she's the matriarch of a family that's... Uh, uh, her mother has just passed away. She has a child that... Uh, I'll mean there's a tragic accident in the movie there's m- more stuff going on supernatural maybe i don't know i don't know how much you want me to say about the movie uh i famously don't like this movie and i know that's an unpopular opinion which i think that's fair I, i'm i i like it i like it a lot but i do the the last like 15 minutes really lose me which i yeah. don't think also don't think is a very uncommon opinion um i'm i don't personally i've never been super into like demonic possession type movies anyway so once it kind of goes that in that direction i'm just like okay whatever but i do like a lot of everything else leading up to that kind of separate from what it ultimately Right. Concludes I, as, I think like, you know, and please correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm <clears throat> obviously not the spooky bitch in residency here, but I feel like a lot of Ari Aster's movies, like they're, the vibes are immaculate, blah, blah, blah. But then like, once we get to like actually revealing the thing, it's always yeah. like, oh, what the fuck? Like, meh, you know, it's, it's weird because I feel like a lot of his his movies are it's it's one of those things where it's sort of like I feel like there's a lot of allegorical stuff happening here. But then he'll be like, no, it's all literal. And it's like but I feel like if you just say it's a metaphor, then it yeah. then it's OK to make less sense because, uh, yeah, the, the, the movies don't make sense. And I think the the stuff that connects with me is 
you know, reading way too much into it probably is, is what I like to do with, with his movies and with this movie. And, and listen, here's the thing. I don't think anybody's bad for liking this movie. I don't want to like, I think when you, when you tell people you don't like a movie, often they take it personally. Please don't take it personally. (laughs) I don't like feeling bad. It's a very bleak movie. It's a very bleak movie. Yeah. It's so weird, Gavin. So weird. I know. Shocking. And that is Ari Aster's thing. Is he's like I find his films for me, pardon me, uh, very emotionally manipulative in a way that I don't like and I don't vibe with. If you vibe with it, great, you know. And I think mm-hmm. the movie looks good, and I think it's got some really banger performances. I think she is amazing, especially in that scene that everybody knows, especially in that scene that drag queens quote. <laughs> and like, yeah, I don't want to say anything. I've tried. Same okay, thing. so try again. Release yourself. Oh, release you, you mean? Yeah, fine. Release me. Just say it. Just fucking say it. Don't you swear at me, you little shit. Don't you ever raise your voice at me. I am your mother. Do you understand? Don't you swear at me, you little shit. Don't you ever raise your voice at me. I am your mother. Do you understand? All I do is worry and slay and defend you. And all I get back is that fucking face on your face. It's it's at a level where, you know, to me it was like shocking or surprising because it's taking her instrument to a level of which we had not seen. Yeah. Either before or in a very long time, you know, because it's taking that fucking precision blade and just fucking like stabbing the shit out of it. Like it, and it's, Again, her levels in one, in in one little perfect little box of her talent. It it's it's and again, you you know, I think people maybe forgot that she uh, had that mm-hmm. in her, or that she is a horror girl. She's not afraid to get ugly. She's not afraid. And she to hates like, horror movies. You and me both, bitch. <laughs> well, I, I, uh... Yeah. Well, it, it, the movie does a lot of like extreme close-ups too. Like, I think yes. it really makes a meal out of what she's able to do with her yes. face. Like, it's it's not an accident. Like, it is. It. I don't think it's lost on anybody working on that movie that they can get a lot out of just her facial expressions and things. And I. I mean, I, that's kind of what makes the movie for me <laughs> beyond anything else. At yeah. the end of the day, it's funny. She had told her agent she didn't want to do anything serious for a bit she wanted one of those like fun tip thing because she had just done like imperium which is a movie we didn't even talk about where she plays like an fbi agent hunting down yeah. white supremacists and and she'd done all these like really dark serious and she was like i don't want her agent was just like just read the script just yeah. please read the <laughs> she does the bleakest movie in the yeah, history of exactly. the world <laughs> goodness you know she's got uh, it in her, I guess. But yeah, um, yeah. Uh, she she does the TV show Wanderlust in 2018. She also does the the Sundance indie hit Heartbeat Hearts Beat Loud. I know you're a big fan of this, Louis. Love I that movie I watched so much. it. I watched it for the first time. I had not seen it. Um, and I was like, oh, this was like invented in a lab for Sundance, <laughs> like more than the Sundance Labs. Like this yeah. was built by a scientist for Sundance. <laughs> this was a movie that I mentioned uh, for that year, whatever fucking year that was, 2019, I, I suppose, was one of my, like, stand-up movies of the year because it was the movie, for me, that year was very much about, like, movies that have, like, music built into mm-hmm. them. Um, and, yeah, she's barely in this movie, but it's just so good. And yeah. she's... And and this was the movie she was looking for. This was the movie where it's yeah. just like light and frothy. It's, nice. it's so and, comfortable. Yeah. It's got I mean, 
for me, it's got Nick Offerman, it's got Tony yes. Collette, it's got my husband and my wife, and they kiss at one point. <laughs> yes. 10 yes. out of 10, a million thumbs up, 15,000 stars, perfect movie, masterpiece, yep. great. Yep. <laughs> she, she's always beautiful, and like you said, t- Nick Offerman, he is so cute in this movie. He's when he's so like good. in his yeah. tight little t-shirts, and I was just uh, like, I was uh, like, oh, yeah. His cute, cute little boy <laughs> haircut and everything. Yeah. Uh, it's so good. I love it so much. He, he's running a record <laughs> shop. He's saying hi to Jeff Tweedy, you know. <laughs> Um, in, in 2019, she does Dan Gilroy's Velvet Buzzsaw, which, uh, once again, is a movie where she like comes in, puts a little character on it. I um, don't like I, that movie. I'm sorry. I don't like oh, it no. at all. <laughs> I, funny enough, I'm on the opposite end. I, I actually do really like this movie. I really, uh, I, can, I can totally understand why. Because it is like, it's satire sure without without a lot of teeth i'll be honest because he's like going after the things that sort of everybody knows about like it's it's like not it's not controversial to say oh the art world is full of a bunch of stuck up people in the universe i doubt there is a hotter artist do you know since the uh exhibit opening is actually trending on twitter we're interested in showing him send dimensions and jpegs for the group and we'll aim for a slot next season I want them exhibited ASAP. You know we have a process, Gretchen. My weird experience with it was that I somehow, I guess, just kind of outside of having heard about like Jake Gyllenhaal being naked in it or whatever, I, I just, I never experienced any marketing from it. So I didn't, all I knew about the movie was that it was like a dark satire about the art world. So I went into it expecting like, oh, people are going to get killed or something like that. I don't know. I didn't know that it was a fucking like classic like possessed painting horror movie yes. with that was like had effects from like from like the 1999 the haunting movie like it's so <laughs> fucking silly and like i think that i would have liked the movie better if it was more of like a schlocky b-movie horror movie yeah. like a fun horror movie it felt a little bit too much to me like it was trying to be like we're elevated horror with a statement but also yeah. we're funny and it's like i kind of just would have liked it if it was just a dumbass horror movie about haunted paintings i think it would have been more fun because <laughs> there's a lot of like cleverness and i like some of the visuals in it and everything i like aspects and i love i love tony collette's performance in the movie but yeah it She's just didn't work for me otherwise yeah um no but i i definitely uh, yeah, I can understand not liking it, but I, I, when I watched it, it was one of those like, oh, I'm turning my brain off and just like, sure. which I normally hate when people say that, but I was just like, <laughs> whatever, everybody's having a campy fun time. Um, it's everybody says about like Marvel movies or whatever, and you're doing yeah. it for like Velvet Buzzsaw. I'm the Velvet <laughs> Buzzsaw guy. I was like, don't you put your hand in that silver ball, Tony Collette. <laughs> this was the era though where like she really gets in her Netflix bag though, right? Because yes. Because yeah. this is the Netflix movie. Yeah. Um, unbelievable with my girl caitlin deaver that you miniseries know, fucking took me out i haven't watched that so is it good because i worry about the true crime stuff that she's been doing lately <laughs> i i really like it i would say that she is i mean caitlin deaver is probably the bigger role um mm. i think it's handled with incredible care okay and yeah, sensitivity um yeah it's it's I, I i'm not even a true crime person but okay. i i really like this cool yeah i i have not seen any of her tv stuff outside of united states of Terra, and it is funny that she is not somebody who's scared of tv like yeah. a lot of actors she you know unbelievable she also did this like short-lived cbs tv show called hostages um she also just recently did uh pieces of her for netflix and the staircase for hbo max so like 
yeah she's she's like i guess if the if the part speaks to her she's willing to to do the tv thing um on the on the film front though uh you know the the last couple things she did in 2020 she did charlie kaufman's i think i'm thinking of ending things which i think was another one of those like let me put a little character on it um she she did knives out which uh, you know ryan johnson movie um I, I don't know anybody who hasn't seen Knives Out. <laughs> I, know, so. I know two people who would love that movie, and I hope they're listening to this podcast. No, three people who haven't seen that movie. I hope they're listening right now. <laughs> you should watch it because you, you would love it. And you love Last Onion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, don't forget Dream Horse, Gavin. God, Dream Horse. Don't want to leave out Dream Horse. Goodness, she, you know she's uh, got to make movies for um, old people too. Okay. Yes. Never knew how much I missed messing about with horses. It's more than a bit of fun and messing about, Brian. Yeah. What do you mean? I don't know. I mean... I need something to look forward to when I get up in the morning. To remind me that things can change. She also did Guillermo del Toro's Nightmare Alley, uh, which is another movie that's just like stacked with lady performances that yeah. are just like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cause you also get Blanchette and that. And it's interesting that she's like on the poster and kind of like the third yeah. female lead of it, but she's not really in the movie that yeah, much. Like, she, she's an important she, part of it. She's not in it that much. Like honestly. 20, 20 minutes in, she's yeah. like maybe only has four more minutes left in the rest of the movie. It's like yeah. a two and a half hour movie. So if yeah. you're watching for Tony Collette, Mm-hmm. Not, the movie. Yeah, Not yeah. the movie. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, uh, that kind of like brings us to now, right? I mean, yeah, it sh- absolutely does. Um, so I do want to mention real quick. Uh, she is like humanitarian out the wazoo. She has said it's very important to her to give back, uh, which is why I think one of the tracks is like doing things about underserved people and whatnot. But she's done stuff for Doctors Without Borders, Amnesty International, Feeding America, uh, Breast Cancer Awareness. Uh, that was her, Drew Barrymore, and Catherine Hardwick all did that together after doing Miss You Already. Supported antivirals for HIV patients in Africa. Uh, she did at one point release a statement in like, like a pro PETA statement, and then like immediately had to retract that statement. It was like, oh, I'm so sorry, they're not the group. She I thought said, they were. Hold on. Yeah, yeah. Hold good. On. I'm glad that she grew, learned and grew from that situation. <laughs> Me too. It was, I was 2005. Like, wow. We were yeah. all concerned. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but that makes me so happy. She also uh, has a music career, as I previously mentioned, and not just like uh, like not just like oh, I like to sing. Like she had a band. Um, they were called Tony Collette and the finish. They recorded one album in Sydney, Australia. And yeah, that album came out. It was like 2007, uh, I think. Or yeah. Something. 2006, 2007. She's not done another album since she said she would love to, she would love to do a reunion of the band. She just hasn't had the time, sure. but you can like, there's fucking music videos. It's not like this is like a band, Incredible. like, like just as a fun little gag, like there is like, this is like Lindsay Lohan rumors era. <laughs> but I, I tried to listen to the album and it's all ballads and I was like, just ballads, baby. We're just gonna do ballads. If you if you Google her husband, Dave Galafassi, it says yes. drummer slash Tony Collette's husband. 
and, and a former now because they're splitting up. No way, uh, really? Yeah. They've been together for a long time, hadn't they? Yeah, it was just announced December 7th of 2022. Oh, no. uh, they She like put out a thing on Instagram just being like, we've decided to split up. Like we're both, it's a mutual decision. Like also don't mm. ask me about it. Essentially, that's the clip. She said, version. listen, I'm 50 and I'm single. <laughs> um, she, she has said uh, in her 20s, uh, she did not love the media hubbub, the circus of it all. She suffered from both bulimia and panic attacks. Mm. Uh, she said the panic attacks mostly lasted for eight months consistently. Oh my wow. god! Which, yeah, and I'm just trying to think how she like functioned during that, but she she did. Um, she dated Jonathan Reese Myers from Velvet Gold Mine for about a year. Hot. Uh, she called the relationship quote hedonistic, drunken, and probably dangerous. Okay, even hotter. <laughs> um, when she's been asked about her faith, she's remarked, uh, I'm spiritual, I'm not a Buddhist, but I am drawn to it because it seems to be the most beneficial of organized religions and the most compassionate. It's an ongoing journey. She did meet Dave Galafasi in 2002 at an album launch party for his then band, Gelbson? Sure. Gelbison. <laughs> Gelbison. Oh, Gelbison. Oh, of course. Okay. <laughs> Me and words, whatever. Uh, they they got married in 2003 on January 11th in a traditional Buddhist ceremony. Uh, they have a daughter together, Sage Florence, who was born in 2008, and a son, Arlo Robert, who was born in 2011. And yeah, and that I that really wraps up, you know, her thing. She she's been several nominated for both the Golden Globes, and she's got that one Oscar nomination. <laughs> she has some, she has some <laughs> Emmys. She should get she, have a, yes. she she has she has potential to get an EGOT and it's ridiculous that she hasn't been nominated yeah. for more things. Yeah, well, because that's the other thing is she was nominated for a Tony Award for lead role in The Wild Party, and you know had that rumor of <laughs> Mandy Patinkin being an asshole to her. Like, mm. but yeah, I, she's got an Emmy at least. We got her that at yeah. least, and she deserves more. Yeah, Record a more. book. Record a book. Get yeah. a Grammy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, say what you will about Hereditary, but it is bananas that she didn't get nominated oh, for, one, for that. I complete, once again, that's the thing. It's I think people, when you tell them you don't like a movie, they think like, oh, you don't like all parts of it. I don't understand how she was nominated. Yeah, for, it's yeah. bizarre. It really is. I think it has to be because it's a horror movie. Like, that's yeah. the only reason. It doesn't make any sense. I think that wraps up Tony Collette's career. So why don't we get the hard thing out of the way first and talk about our one-star reviews uh, just to see what we didn't particularly like. I can tell you right off the bat because we didn't even talk about it. Uh, <laughs> one of the most recent movies she did, The Estate, that movie sucks. Oh, hate that wow, movie. Wow, 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 wow. I was so mad because I, I I saw that it didn't get great reviews, so I was had tempered expectations for it. But I was still like Kathleen Turner, Anna Faris, Tony Collette, David Duchovny, like randomly in that movie, like and like Rosemary DeWitt. She's worked with her on Terra. Like, there's a lot of good people there. I'm sure you can mine something good out of it. Every single person is like wasted in that movie. It's unpleasant. It's weird. It's so. I don't understand how you have that cast and like nothing about it is, is funny whatsoever. And Tony Collette, n- a nothing character. Yep. I mean, her performance is as good as it can be, I guess, because she's good at her job, but she has nothing to do in that movie. It's, it's, I hate it. It's so I bad. I watched so many movies from this and I skipped that. I was good. like, <clears throat> I torrented that movie. <laughs> But I'm glad that I didn't pay for it. But also the fact that I spent the time searching for the torrent to download it. Mad about that. That movie sucks so much. 
She hasn't changed at all. Oh, I know. She looks amazing. That's not what I meant. No, I'm talking about how she's a conniving, trying to take our money. I think you're overreacting. I mean, I know Beatrice can be clever and scheming and probably a little evil, but she's just one person, right? Hey, cousins. How you doing? No! I agree. I did watch The Estate because I remember when the trailer came out, I was like, oh my God, Anna Faris, yeah. fashion and comedy, uh, Kathleen Turner, like you said. It, it it really is wild. I was like, how do you have this cast and not make a single fucking joke? It's, it's this, so bad. It's not funny. Everything, they go for like, I guess, I guess the thing they're going for is like gross out humor. Literally, but it's they, not even gross enough to be, it's just uncomfortable most of the time. Yeah. Like there's like a gag where they like take an old man's dick out of his pants. <sighs> and I was like, not, none of this is hitting. None of mm-hmm. it. Um, you mentioned Rosemary DeWitt, um, who she's worked with before. She also has worked with David Duchovny before in and Connie, Connie and Carla. And Carla. It yeah. all comes back, baby. <laughs> Hell Yeah. Um, I much think better a, movie than The Estate. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. And it's very disheartening because uh, there there is no reason why that movie should be that bad. I, it, yeah. it, it's, it's, it's just like a really boring ass fucking story with um, boring performances and bad writing. And um, yeah, yep. R.I.P. The Estate. <laughs> <laughs> Gavin, what do you got? So I picked a movie. I, I briefly, briefly mentioned it. Uh, it's called Mental. Uh, mm. It unfortunately was her reteaming with PJ Hogan. And once again, I don't know if it ever came out in the US. I could not find a US release date for this movie, but it's from 2012. Uh, essentially, it's a a family of all girls, and the the mother is, um, you know. I'll just I'll just say it. This movie is bad about mental health. Like this movie, mm-hmm. like the the parent the mother is like maybe OCD, maybe, but like not defined. One of the daughters actually does have schizophrenia. They do at least get to that. But it's this like comedy loosely based on PJ Hogan's l- life, where <laughs> his dad had had his mother committed, and then one day brought home a hitchhiker to be their nanny, and. This movie, Tony Collette is that nanny. And it's like bonkers Mary Poppins. And she's basically like, no one needs help for their mental health. Everybody else is crazy. And you just need to like focus on the things that are fun in life. And that way you'll be fine. And the, the it's just broadly... I, I don't even know how to describe it. It's awful. It's truly awful. I was miserable watching this movie. And it was like trying to play things for laugh. There's a scene where there's an, a racist neighbor next door who the interior of her house is all white. And Tony Collette brings all the girls over and they all have their periods on her white couches. We can't leave you. This is an emergency. I'm calling the police. No, nah, not a police emergency. A feminine emergency. You got any pads? What? You know, pads. Writing pads? Sanitary pads. Preferably maxi. All of us. Actually, yeah. You know how women living in close proximity line up menstrually? Something to do with the moon? Well, we've all lined up, haven't we, girls? Right here in your lounge room. (laughs) I'm having an emergency on your white couch. Me too. You're a woman now, Shane. Get out. Oh, oh God. Yeah, and I was just like, uh, like, Humor. what am I supposed... 
ever what am I supposed to get from this? <laughs> like, yeah, it's just, it, it's all, it's all supreme miscalculation. And I don't understand. Is this like a Nickelodeon show from like 1993? <laughs> like, Ex- I don't. Except it's all very adult. It's all very like. The F word is said a lot. Like the the wife readily admits at one point that the reason she is with her husband is because he raped her. Oh. And that's how she got pregnant with her first daughter. Oh and, my god. And like Tony Collette threatens him at the end with a knife and it's like, you're you're never to abuse your family. But that's his whole comeuppance. And the thing is, is how she got involved with this movie is when they were on the set of Muriel's wedding, PJ Hogan would tell her about this woman that was his nanny. That was this hitchhiker. And she's like, you have to make that movie someday. And I have to play that role. And I cannot for my life believe that she thought this was going to be the script. Yeah. I. It's funny when you mentioned your your theory of her choosing roles. I think that first track is what gets her in the most trouble. And this sounds like it is in that lane. Um, because again, these are movies that have good intentions. Yeah. But filtered through the lens of filmmaking in Hollywood, like it just doesn't fucking work. You know, and Connie and Carno is a good example of this because I'm sure an executive somewhere said, we need to explain to an audience what this is and how they are different. And like, it has to be very obvious. And so all these things that take a lot of sensitivity go right out the fucking window. And so the movie is about like, you know, people with mental health disorders. Yeah. Let's call it mental. And like, they're great. It's like, (laughs) Um, uh, my, yeah. my one star review, um, is also similarly, but like not quite in the same track. Um, it, it, it is the night listener. Um, mm. I think that first of all, this movie really thought it was doing something by saying it's inspired by true events when oh literally my god i when, was so mad when i read about the history of like what it's like based on a book that's kind of lightly inspired by a thing that maybe happened like, like come on it, it's like <laughs> why even attach that just yeah just just don't worry about it babes um the night listener is a 2006 film starring robin williams where he is like a radio journalist kind of guy who like I don't know, kind of like Ira Glass, I would say, if you wanted to like think of what he is doing. Yeah, he, he tells sure. stories. He's a magpie looking for shiny things to talk about on the radio. <laughs> Tony Collette plays a blind woman who may or may not, but she did, um, make up a young boy who was sexually abused and now has AIDS and is dying and wrote a book and... <clears throat> This little boy is now, you know, sick and Tony Collette is allegedly taking care of him, except the boy is fake. And Robin Williams is like investigating, like, you know, is this boy real? And this is what I meant. Like, I think she had no idea what to do here because it, yeah. the, cho- the choices she's making are so wild and so big. Yeah. And she is just like literally wandering around with her like contact lenses in to make her look like she's blind. And this movie also is very uh, manipulative in a way that I don't like, where it's like uh, any normal human would be like, this is fucking crazy. I'm out of here. Yeah. You know, but yeah. then they, they goes out of its way to be like, but she's blind and there's a boy with AIDS. Don't yeah. you yeah. care? I like, agree. 
and, and, I, and on she's top of- kind, even though her performance is not great, she's also kind of the best part of that movie because it's yes. so gonzo that it's fun to watch her the way that she screams in the middle of the road. Right, and stuff. right. Like, <laughs> and it, it, it's. And- that's the it's, tension because Robin Williams is trying to like win an Oscar. Yes, and, like, that's, I was just going to say it's so oh upsetting God. that uh, Robin Williams is on his most boring mode yeah. because he wants to downplay everything. Why are you pissed at me? You're the one that broke into our house. I went to the fucking hospital. He wasn't there. Well, you went to the wrong hospital. I went to every goddamn hospital in Madison. He was in Milwaukee. Oh, of course. If I ask you which hospital, you'd probably oh, look, say move. Stop it. Uh, or maybe He's suddenly. dead. He died last night by lateral pneumonia. His lungs were saturated and they couldn't resuscitate. Jesus, you're good. What? You got a fucking answer for everything. I think the other big problem with the movie, besides the fact that the, the performances are calibrated into like the opposite ends of the dial, is that the movie wants so bad to be scary and mm-hmm. to be a thriller mm-hmm. and like Why? but the story's Nothing not that scary what like, are you right, doing the, the story's like an unnerving anecdote that you hear at a party yeah. right like that's it it's right. an interesting premise that maybe you could do something with potentially, but right. like it's like, not I a can, thriller I, at all. I could imagine somebody telling me that and me being like, uh huh, and they they never found out if the kid was real or not. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Right, because like there, it, it does want you to be like, is she gonna fucking kill him? Is she gonna like? Is, is she, what, right. But also, this movie again, like, is so insensitive to like people who have mental illness, and it's like, yep. oh, she she is the spooky blind lady who like <laughs> makes up like stories about having kids. What, who did I see that wrote this fucking movie? It um, was Amistad Mupon. Amistad is that Mupon? It? Yeah. What the fuck? I was like, who? Bobby Cannavale playing gay iconic. He is an ally. He can play gay whenever he wants. <laughs> um, but it's just funny because like this is the man that gave us Tales from the City and like yes. literally literally has only written two other non Tales from the City books and this was one of them. Fucking wild. Fucking wild. And 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 it's very like, you know, Robin Williams and Bobby Cannavale are like lovers but like they're breaking up because Bobby Cannavale also got diagnosed with HIV and or AIDS. They don't tell us, but like now he's better and wants to live life and Robin Williams is mad about that. It's so bizarre. I, yeah. I, I bet the book probably has a lot more depth and nuance, but yeah. this movie instead says, listen for the truth. <laughs> what is, what, 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 what are you talking about? <sighs> yeah, I hated that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, there was only a couple <laughs> other movies that I, I truly didn't. I mean, Jesus Henry Christ was the worst. It was like, it was literally like running like Ryan Murphy's version of running with scissors, but directed by Wes Anderson. <laughs> and it was just like, Oh God, I hate this. And, uh, yeah. Fun mom dinner. I know you both kind of went to bat for it. I, great talent. No, like, I wouldn't I, say we went to bat for it. I think we said it's not a garbage fire. Yeah. <laughs> That's I, all. There's some great talent between, you know, like Molly Shannon and Bridget Everett and, but it just, I was no. like, it's where giving, are the jokes? It's not a funny, yeah. it's not a funny movie, no. which no. is a, it's a failure as a comedy. I will 100% it's definitely, give you that. It's definitely that movie like that you would have found at Blockbuster that like, yes. oh, that looks fun. Like that they're selling for like 99 cents in the bin. Um, that's the vibe it gives. Um, I wanted to mention, we didn't talk about 2014's Glassland, another movie where I think she is making crazy fucking choices and that are not perhaps 
the most sensitive. <laughs> She's playing an alcoholic mother character um, again on that first track of like wanting to be noble. And it's just like <laughs> sometimes I- I- I'm glad that she found that like level of being loud and making big choices for hereditary that worked because there are times I will say that it does not work. And Glassland is that time. Yeah. That's All fair. right. Let's yeah. let's stop being negative. Miss Colette doesn't deserve this. <laughs> let's get into our five star reviews. I wanted to be like cool and unique with it, but I I I rewatched The Sixth Sense and it's still my favorite movie she's ever done. I, I think that movie is a masterpiece. I think it's incredibly good. I think that is still one of her best performances. I think many other actors that could be the best performance they ever give. And the fact that she gives other performances that rival it or, or are arguably better, I think is just a testament to how good she is. Um, I, I just think everything about it. And I think it's a, it's a perfect encap- encapsulation of what she can do in that. That's not the biggest role in the world, but she elevates it and makes it incredibly memorable, such a uh, distinct, but also like really unique character. Um, like it's, it's, it's one that feels like a very real person, but also, and also feels like people that I have met before in my life. Um, but also, you know, it, it just does such amazing things with not, a ton of material really for her. And I think that movie would not work uh, if she didn't kill that role. Okay, Matt. So who moved it this time? Maybe someone came in our house, took the bumblebee pendant out of my closet and placed it nicely in your drawer. Maybe. God, I am so tired, Cole. I'm tired in my body. I'm tired in my mind. I'm tired in my heart. I need some help. You know, I don't know if you noticed, but our little family isn't doing so good. I mean, I've been praying, but I must not be praying right. Looks like we're just going to have to answer each other's prayers. If we can't talk to each other, we're not going to make it. Since she does, it's good. And every time I watch it, I like it even more. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent choice. We we stand being basic here on this podcast. Yes. So yeah. how about that? I think a true testament to that movie, even outside of her performance, is, you know, there people talk about spoiler culture all the time. Yeah. They can't. I know I have a friend who literally you can't even tell him if you liked a movie or not. He considers it a spoiler. OK, a little much, yeah. <laughs> it drives me nuts. Uh, I think what's great about The Sixth Sense is and the unfortunate takeaway that everybody has taken from M. Night Shyamalan's career post that is that there is a twist in that movie and it doesn't matter. It doesn't destroy the fact that it's a good movie. It is a beautiful film. It's so well acted. It's really well directed. Yeah. And you know, it doesn't matter. The twist doesn't matter. It it's makes, a good twist. Yeah, I think that like, knowing the twist makes it better because you see yeah. how well constructed that whole movie is. Um, my mom loves mysteries and the first time i remember renting it on vhs and i knew the twist because you couldn't escape it when it came out but she's not tuned into pop culture at all Mm -hmm. and i remember putting it in and being like this is gonna blow her away literally 10 minutes in she's like oh he's dead (laughs) oh my god but it's fine because it's so emotionally affecting it regardless of it 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 is such a bummer that like m night Shyamalan is such a weird yeah person that ex- like just the whole you know the whole conversation around him 
good or bad, like right. it is kind of a bummer that I feel like it kind of takes away from how good this movie is, regardless of whatever comes after it. Like yeah. as just an, like a very sincere, emotional uh, story that also has some like really good scares and thrills in it at the same time. Very good pick. All right. Is it is it my turn? Should I go? It is your turn, Gavin. So I think there's so many good things that you could pick. The Sixth Sense was up there for me. I think Hereditary would be an absolutely banger of a five-star review, even if it is a film I don't particularly like. Mm-hmm. I think, and I'm calibrating this, I think after five years, I sort of know our audience pretty well, too. And I think the movie that most affected me in terms of, of this was shockingly Miss You Already. <gasps> uh, Interesting. I, yeah, this was not... I did not expect to pick this going in. I mean, it's a, it's a good, that's a, a good pick, though. I, I yeah, that movie's better than it should have been, honestly, in a lot of ways. <laughs> so what's really funny is Drew Barrymore was not initially cast in this movie. Rachel Weisz was. Hmm. Oh, and weird. Rachel Weisz is a previous subject. I think she would have been amazing. I think that yeah. would have. But I think there's something so warm. There's like an internal light in Drew Barrymore that allowed them to like this feels like a real friendship. So this movie is kind of I mean, for all intents and purposes, it's basically a remake of Beaches. But <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! It totally is. Oh no! But um, it's a film in which Tony Collette is kind of the the rocker, edgier girl. Drew Barrymore's a girl whose mom moves to England as a kid, and everybody doesn't like her because she has an American accent. And Tony Collette takes her on her wing. She's from a privileged background. Her mom's an actress, and she like is the wild girl. She marries a musician and. And Drew Bar- she has kids immediately. Drew Barrymore's like desperately trying to have kids. She's having trouble. She's going for IVF. And in the process of this, Tony Collette's character finds out she has breast cancer. And for most of the movie, she goes through the treatment of having breast cancer. All the while, uh, Drew Barrymore is going through her own drama of will the IVF work? Or when it does work, should she tell? Tony Collette, because she's having such a hard time, it's putting strain on her relationship with her husband, played by Patty Considine. And I, I just really love the interpersonal stuff in this movie. Once again, I am so aware of how a medical drama can be manipulative. But I think if you can make it through this movie, if you've never experienced death in a personal way, mm-hmm. like this is a good primer for that. If you have experienced death in a personal way, this will hit you. It's done so well. And like I said before, it, you know, really elevated performance. I think the script is fine. I Let me, t- if I have to say a negative thing, there's a voiceover at the end that I wish wasn't there. And honestly, I don't, oh, think, yeah. it, I don't think that scene needed voiceover at all. If you could have just let it breathe, don't yeah. give the characters lines, just let like what's happening happen and cut out that voiceover. How beautiful would that moment have been? I won't say what it is, but but yeah, I it's just a lovely, lovely movie, an amazing performance. And Tony Collette even said, you know, for for not being a method actor and not taking it home with her, like she says a lot of people does, and she sort of thinks is a little bonkers. Uh, she said that one was hard for her because that one stayed with her for like a year, and she had mm. to like remind herself, like you need to let this 
go. And oh. I think it's very hard, but yeah. Uh, yeah. What a lovely, lovely film. And she, she looks great in her little wig. So. <laughs> she shaves her head like on screen in that movie too. Yeah. I know that's like a, many actors have done that, yes. but it's anytime it happens, it's still like, that's a, that's a good commitment. I, yeah. I appreciate that. And she goes through several different, I mean, there's a, a look that she has at the end of the movie that I was just like, yeah. oh my God. Yeah. Oh boy. I can't help but notice that since you've been pregnant, you've been rather overdosing on the Birkenstocks. Well, they're comfortable and completely on trend. No, just they're not. They're revolting. So I have these for you. Oh my God. Unworn. My touch too showy for this place. <sighs> <laughs> Wow, you're really going, aren't you? Why else would I be giving you my best pair of shoes? I saw this movie um, at a film festival in Northern California, and um, I saw it again for this. And I, it, yeah, it, it is very weepy. Uh, but I, I, yeah, to your point, Gavin, I remember this time around watching it, being like, she has such a hard job in this film because she's being funny, she's scared, she's angry she does some unlikable stuff in it oh god yeah yeah she fucks the guy from all american rejects i know horrible (laughs) that's who that was yes i I did not realize that that was him i was like i really recognize him and then i never looked up who it was oh god that makes it even worse yeah i know (laughs) people that watch the show on patreon by the way derek's reaction to that priceless yeah you you need to subscribe just for that alone um, but that's a very good pick. I, I think the ending of that, I mean, I, yeah, yeah, I remember just like that ending where she says, I love you. And uh, uh, uh. <laughs> there's a choice. I know we're not talking about Drew Barrymore. Um, obviously, Tony Collette's character dies in this film. That's not a spoiler. That's life. There's a choice that Drew Barrymore makes after she realizes Tony Collette has passed, where she, her, Tony Collette's husband walks in the room. And Drew Barrymore looks up and she smiles at him. And I I lost it. I'm losing it now. Um, that is so personal because that that was her friend. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, uh, yeah. It, it, what I love about this movie, though, is it, 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 the script could have easily been like, and the husbands were assholes. Yes. Yeah. Or and yeah. And, and but like it's and it never. It seems like it might go that way at certain points, and I love that it never right does right. It's it's a very um, sensitive and real, and like they're not playing for like cheap drama. It's it's the drama literally is these women adore each other, yeah. and the absolute horror of I mean this woman does not just go through like one round of treatment. She goes right. And and I think, you know, I have friends who um, have had cancer, who have, you know, are survivors of it and hate even that idea of like surviving or fighting cancer. Like what the, like, you know, if someone dies of cancer, it's not because they didn't fight hard enough, like fuck off. Right. Um, And this movie, like it, it, it's very much that like this woman fucking like, you know, did everything she could, you know, and, and in the end, you know, sometimes it's it just is what it is. And cancer fucking like sucks. And uh, it, it, but it, to be to be clear, like the movie is weepy, but it's not a downer. I think it's right. a yeah, very absolutely. it's a very beautiful, like just like um, 
little morsel of like love. Um, it's as lighthearted as it can be for a movie deal yes. tackling that material. Right. Because also like these women like know each other. They know what makes each other laugh. Like, and, yeah. and, and to the very end, she's like, what are you asking? And she's like, vodka. <laughs> she's <Yes>. asking for <laughs> vodka on her deathbed. Very good pick, Gavin. Um, I, yeah, there are some like absolute bangers that like, unfortunately, we're just not going to like pick because I only have one pick left. Um, and I, as I'm going through this, I'm going back and forth, but I, I do think I have to give it to 97's Clock Watchers. Um, yes, that was my, that was, it was between that movie and Sixth Sense for me. She's I so good in it. Loved, I I hadn't seen Clock Watchers before doing mm. this. I, I fell in love with that movie so hard. It's, it, it's such a, such, such a great movie. Yeah, I, you know, it was between this and, and Muriel's Wedding for me, and I love Muriel's Wedding. Um, I have nothing bad to say about it, but I think this perhaps is the more overlooked, better encapsulation of, like, her true superpowers. Mm-hmm. Um, she, this movie has, like, this Mike White vibe yes. to it. Yeah. Very that. It reminded me so much, and I have seen this movie, I think, three times now, but it reminds me so much of, like, enlightened there's a lot of narration there's a lot of you know kind of big think stuff happening here but it's also just like the mundanity of life and how fucking capitalism and work just grinds us to a fucking pulp um makes friends become enemies you know reveals Mm -hmm. all these like awful things about each other um yeah and, and also i mean stacked cast you know we talked about it in our parker posey episode um but Tony is the is is the, the central figure here, and she's the new girl at this nameless office. It's like a temp job. They you know tell her to do specific things, get mad at her when she does. It's it's a thankless, awful fucking. And it, what's wild is like we all have this job, no matter what your yes. job is. Yeah. We all have this job. It's yep. the job where the 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 fucking person in charge makes you do stupid things that don't matter anyway um you're overlooked all the time it's just like it speaks to um (laughs) the working man um (laughs) and and it's wild though because like these are four beautiful women Mm -hmm. um you know lisa kudrow alana yubak uh, enough cannot be said about alana yubak just in general in general um this it was um directed by jill sprecker is that how we say that gavin do we know (laughs) <laughs> you're asking me to pronounce shit for you well i i was i was unsure if maybe you're familiar you are indie guy here um but it was it was written by jill and karen sprecher i'm assuming they're sisters um but it's like this for all t- we know they could be related to paul rudd they could be related to paul rudd <laughs> we don't know um it's just uh i don't know the, the ending of this movie re- like uh. you know it really turns on the head like yeah you, it I don't know, it, it, especially now, I think, in post-COVID, not post-COVID, but like post-pandemic world we're living in, yeah. the idea of work is just a fucking nightmare. Yes. And it's not just about like work, it's life. We're all watching the clock, right? We're all mm-hmm. trying to like make the, the best out of life. And she has these just silent moments where she's she realizes I'm so fucking mad at life. I'm so fucking mad at this job. And she like decides I'm going to fucking take my life back. I wish I could tell you I never doubted a friend. I wish I could say that place hadn't gotten the better of us. But that's not the way it happened. Sometimes it hits you 
how quickly the present fades into the past and you question everything around you you wonder if anything you'd ever do would matter or if you could just disappear without a trace when she decides to like finally get herself out of that fucking place and um there's there's in carved on her desk it says i was never here and it's clear like that someone from before was like you know and yeah. and that's just like the the vibe like oh fuck we're all just on this planet like and it's meaningless we were never here in any way like no one's gonna remember shit and she just fucking scratches it out and i'm like fuck yeah girl yeah. and then yeah. she breaks she breaks the fourth wall and just looks up at us and it's like huh. she's staring into like every i not a, I don't, I don't want to say just American, but specifically Americans because we fucking work too much and our cultural work is <laughs> yeah. fucking crazy. Um, and it's like, hey, assholes, like fucking go make art, enjoy yourselves, like live life. And it's and and the movie is so unpreachy and yet just says so much, and that's just the best. And yeah, I I think you know Muriel's wedding is incredible, but I think this movie just like is way more intelligent, has a lot to say. And she is just like the perfect vehicle of like strong, silent, fiery. Like you see that arc of her kind of like breaking out of this beat down faceless worker. Yeah. And it's just so satisfying. It's so good. I love that movie so much. I've, I, I was watching it. And I was like, I have had been in partially in charge of training temps in an office oh, environment. No. And we had to do almost the, like when they're sort of like, yeah, they don't tell us stuff because they know we're going to like, they, they only give us a certain amount of information. Cause then we're going to leave anyway. And it's like, that's what we've been told of exactly how to train them is to like only train them on certain things. Cause they're going right. to leave anyway. Like it's you don't so want them real. to take that information with them. It's right, so stupid. Right. It's oh. so, it's so insidious. And like, I, I, you know, not that they have to be in competition, but I know like if, if you're thinking like semi surrealist, like office culture movies, like office space has always been like the top tier one. Right. I kind of feel like this movie clock watchers is better than office space. Yeah. I, I think. In a, yeah. In, but you in know what this movie it, doesn't it, have men. That's yeah. true. It yeah. is about women. That's it. I think yes. that's, that element really elevates it a lot, honestly, because it's such yeah. a particular perspective. I love this because. I don't know if we've had an episode in a while where, like, it's been so unpredictable. Yeah. This is not, I think people would come into this episode expecting us to be, like, hereditary, Muriel's Wedding. Like, these are the hits. Yeah. These are the, and, like, we've said good things about all those movies, but, like, you know, it's our show. <laughs> and, like, so. Yeah. But she's done a here. lot of stuff. And a right. lot of, that's very varied. And a lot of it's very good. Yeah. I would also <laughs> argue, like, her Gwyneth Paltrow impersonation on Knives Out is very good. So good. <laughs> so she's, fucking good. Yeah. yeah. Which mean, is funny knowing that she worked with Gwyneth Paltrow on oh, yeah. Emma, too. Like, it's so funny. I love it. <laughs> um, all right. Before we get into our fast forward, why don't we do our mixed reviews review? My one star review was The Estate from 2022. My one-star review was Mental from 2012. My one-star review was The Night Listener, 2006. My five-star review was The Sixth Sense from 1999. My five-star review was Miss You Already from 2015. My five-star review was Clock Watchers from 1997. Excellent. Let's get into our fast forward. Tony Collette has things upcoming. She is booked yes. and blessed. Of course um, she is. <laughs> of course she is. I She's see, never not working. <laughs> I see something called Mafia Mama. It looks like there's a trailer already out for it. I have not seen this trailer before, but I haven't either. It looks. Um, I mean, 
Uh, directed by Catherine Hardwick, our good, oh. good our good sis from Miss You Already. That's really funny. Uh, okay. I had no, I, I had not even heard of this movie. Yeah, me either. Uh, the only other thing that I knew that she was doing was, of course, Mickey Seventeen, the Bong Joon Ho so film. Excited about that! I don't even know what it's going to be. I'm so excited about it. Just, yeah, it's uh. <laughs> her and her and Batman himself, Robert Pattinson, Can't and wait. also she's doing another TV show called The Power, which is about a. Uh, Sounds like the craft, essentially. It's a group of teenage girls mysteriously develop a special power that allows them to electrocute people at will. Okay. Hot. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, that's based on a book that I read, actually. Yes. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. Yeah. So it's probably not the craft. I'm probably no, like No, not at all. It's actually pretty okay. it's actually pretty good. I, I like I like that book. Um it's more I mean, in the book, I don't know if the show's taking a different direction. In the book, it's like literally every woman is granted this power so it's oh, really? very much about like gender dynamics and stuff oh that sounds um, cool yeah yeah john leguizamo's in that so that's fun oh, hey. yeah, yeah um yeah i i did you guys watch the staircase no i didn't like i said i've never seen any i've never seen her on any other tv show outside of united states of terror I watched like a couple episodes by i by like half of it i was like enough i can't do this um <laughs> I, you know again like a, it's kind of like a showy show. There's a lot going on. I mean, my God, I don't know how they fucking filmed her falling down that fucking staircase and <laughs> crumpling her body. And like, I, I don't know how they did that. What digital for technology that was used. Um, but she loved, I Tony lives for the drama. That's what I'm going to say. Okay. She, lit. Yeah. And uh, whether it's like giving it as like, you know, this high dramatic, like, showy moment or if it's like scary or if it's you know just being the sassiest girl on the block like i it's always just like fun seeing which way she's gonna go next um gavin like you yeah. said like it's just like so unpredictable um yes literally yeah. just looking at these three things that she's got coming up next it's like it doesn't look like she's choosing a lane anytime soon you no. know like it's just more random weird shit and we have to stand yeah I, I know I say this basically every episode, but because of her proven track record of Broadway, well, like I need her. I need her back on stage. I will go see her in anything. If she wanted to play Annie, <laughs> I would go watch her in Annie. Honestly, like, I, I would be yeah. fascinated at how, of how <laughs> that would happen. You know what? Hmm. Weirdly, I want to see her. I, I, a part of me wants to like see her do like a gender fuck thing. Yeah. I wonder like how huh. she like. I'm thinking like yeah. Albert Knobs getting close vibes. Like I wonder how she would fuck with something in that realm. Maybe I'm like projecting this gender fuck thing. <laughs> I just like want her to be like sexy seductress um, I vibes. Mean, she, she plays around a little bit of it with Velvet Goldmine. There's a lot of like yeah. suits. There's a lot of, uh, but yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I don't know. I It's so funny that you went for like Albert Knobs though. Cause when you said that, I was like, oh, like Victor Victoria Hedwig. And you were like, Albert Knobs. <laughs> like, <laughs> Listen, I was just finding a modern um, parallel. Um, no, but yeah, I, I, I just think like she has, um, she likes to be funny. I And we've seen it a lot and i think she's great at it um we've seen her being uh scary i i just wonder if there is because i i think she does have like she's that great expressive face of course and like yeah. i wonder like i can just imagine her doing the thing where she's like just like seductively eating like something you know like and titillating the girls with it um 
Yeah, I don't know why I'm just like suddenly horny for fucking Tony Collette, but here I we mean, are. I mean, who isn't all the time? Yeah, I really. was gonna say. Truth, truthfully, that's the lane we're all in. Yeah, at all moments. <laughs> um, which is so funny that she's constantly. Freud would have a field day. She's constantly playing moms, and we're like, she is. <laughs> You're like, yeah. Whoops. Whoops. Milf Whoops. Tony Collette. We have now done, I believe, th- um, three Australian actresses. We did Nicole Kidman. We did Cape. And now we've done Tony and they all are um, just like unclockable and like unboxable, like are just doing whatever the fuck they want, however they want, because they are just that good. Um, And it's why I, I, I can imagine a world where they are competing for the same roles, but I think they all do such different things. Yeah. Um, and um, I've just... all appeared in, in movies together <laughs> like multiple times. So <laughs> I just think like they, you know, Tony is that extra spice in that Australian secret sauce. I don't yeah. know what, like she mm-hmm. has just, uh, I don't know. I don't know what it is, um, but I, I want um, more. I want more and I want her to fucking just keep on delivering and being the mother that she is to us all. (laughs) And and she's so young. She's, she's just going to keep it up. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, I think that perfectly encapsulates Tony Collette's career and it's just going to keep going. She's, she's a freight train. She's unstoppable. But Derek, yeah, we're going to give you a moment to talk about yourself. You're a fucking podcast mogul. You, (laughs) you are involved with so many podcasts Here's your chance. Take as much time as you want and tell us everything you do and where people can find you. Sure, sure. Yeah, main podcasts I do. It's funny because we're recording this. You're saying all that and we're recording it on like the month that I've actually not been recording any podcasts, (laughs) which is weird for me. Uh, My weekly podcast is Walloping Web Snappers, which is a Spider-Man podcast where we're doing deep dives into every Spider-Man cartoon specifically ever made. Um, That's we we took our first vacation for the first time in three three years. We've been releasing at least one episode a week for three straight years wow. and then we're like we're gonna not do that for there's still episodes dropping in january just not you know as many <laughs> um but uh welcome up snappers you can find that in your podcast uh my other podcast gimmicks is one that i host um that's a television podcast that looks at the high concept experimental structure breaking gimmicky episodes of television um where there's a different show and a different guest i have on uh for every episode that i have gavin's been on one for the batman animated series episode so weird episodes um that are very structure breaking is what i do on that show um you can also find that of course anywhere you get your podcasts um and the other one that that I'll plug is uh, the one movie podcast that I have is Falling with Style, uh, which is an ongoing Pixar movie marathon where we watched every Pixar movie um, in existence chronologically. We did actually just finish that because we did get up to light years. So now we're basically you're done with it until another Pixar movie comes out. Um, and, uh, all of those, yeah, they, they all kind of have their own feeds and everything. You can find those anywhere at your podcast, or you can follow me on Twitter at Derek B Gale. My link tree has lists, uh, links to all of those podcasts as well. And so Derek, how did you find the good dinosaur? (laughs) <laughs> uh my that was uh, if we did our rankings on our last special episode after we did Lightyear and that was the bottom of my list that's below the cars movies so i not, think that is the worst pixar movie uh, in, in ever made it's so it's not it's, a good dinosaur okay no bad dinosaur. <laughs> <Very> bad. <laughs> baby when do you sleep 
That's what I want to know. Uh, this month, the month that I'm not recording podcasts except for this one. So Put yourself in, inside your cryo tube and just exactly. <laughs> wake me up in February. Thank you so much. Seriously, I'm so yes. happy you pitched Tony. I mean, she has been uh, a subject we've talked about before yeah. that we wanted to do, and we just could never find a good time to do it. And I'm so happy yeah. that when I was like, we got to have you on, you were like, Tony Collette. I was like, sold. Great. I mean, it's great because this is so out of the purview of the normal podcasts that I do that are like TV or animated centric. So this this was super, such a fun different thing that I that I never really get to do. So Pixar's yeah. hereditary. Yeah, <laughs> Pixar's hereditary. She, she will pop up at a Pixar movie at some point, I'm sure. I believe that. Absolutely that I will. Believe. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, and I'm glad that, you know, we were able to introduce you to Clockwatchers and, and oh other God, so um, movies that yeah, it's it's that's the point of the show, girls. Yes. We're just finding <laughs> those hidden gems. Um so thank you for coming on and thank you to everyone for listening. We we appreciate you so much. Absolutely. And if you want to contact us, you can always find us on Twitter at, at The Mixed Reviews. We're on Facebook to type in The Mixed Reviews. If you want to email us, you can email us at reviewsmixed at gmail.com. We're also on Instagram at the underscore mixed underscore reviews. And if you want to listen to our back catalog, like you've just listened to this episode, you can find the entirety of our library on any podcast app or on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Audible, Amazon, anyone that you want to listen to. But if you do happen to listen to us on Apple Podcasts, stop by, leave us a five-star rating. Yes, I said five stars and write us a little review we'll read it on the show yeah that's 127 episodes baby that you get to go luxuriate in um we will see you in two weeks with another subject until then be well love you gals bye bye i am your mother (laughs) 